Welcome to the Voices in Recovery podcast. Voices in Recovery is produced by Freedom's Path Recovery Society, a registered Canadian charity. If you enjoy the podcast, please consider a donation at www.freedomspathrecoverysociety.ca. All donations go directly to assisting Freedom's Path in providing services free of charge and helps us keep the podcast going. We are grateful for any and all donations. This podcast discusses difficult topics such as childhood abuse, drug and alcohol use, sexuality, sexualized trauma, and more. If you are under the age of 18, please speak with your legal guardian prior to listening. The opinions expressed during the podcast are those of the individual and not those of Voices in Recovery or Freedom's Path Recovery Society. Thank you for listening, and I hope you enjoy the podcast. This podcast is being recorded on the traditional land of the Blackfoot Confederacy. This consists of the Kainai, Pekani, Siksika, and the Blackfeet in the U.S. We acknowledge the Stony Nakoda, which consists of the Bearspaw, Morley, and Chinookie. We acknowledge the Satuna, who are Dene, and the Métis, Inuit, status and non-status from all of Turtle Island, and those who are visiting. We are all treaty people. Thank you so much for coming. Um, I know you're busy. You have so many responsibilities and stuff. Um, but yeah, please take it away because I, I don't want to get in the way of what you have to say. Oh, sure. Yeah. Well, thank you. Thank you for having me. Mm-hmm. You know, I um, always appreciate, you know, people willing to give a platform to talking about this issue because mm-hmm. you know, I think here, especially in the West uh, with the mainstream media, mm-hmm. you don't really get a whole lot of um, the pro-Palestinian narrative, I would say. We get none. You know? Yeah, yeah, you don't get it. No. Instead, you know. we get the um, the Islamophobia stuff, basically. Yeah. That's yeah. really what, what I remember through the years. That's pretty much a bombardment propaganda, right? So. Yeah, and it, you know, it plays an especially important role in a situation like this, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, I mean, I'm just so disappointed with the media here. If people, if people think that like the what they're getting from the mainstream media here is like a, a nuanced, middle of the road, balanced perspective, it's it's not. Mm. Like overwhelmingly, the media here um, regurgitates uncritically Israeli propaganda, mm-hmm. and we've seen that again and again. I mean, it was the case before, but especially in the last four or five months. Oh yeah, you know. Yeah, and there's been a lot of it because Israel's had a lot to try and cover up of what mm-hmm. it's doing. Um, so yeah, always appreciate having a platform like this. Oh, it's it's our pl- it's an honor really, and and you know what lots of people that I've spoken with, and I'm ignorant for the most part of, of most things, right? Like, but it's it's like a being raised in that not even knowing you're being raised like in North America to to follow the that agenda, right? Like, and it's interesting because people don't like to believe that they've been duped, but we've been duped, and yeah. like. Fighting against the duping doesn't help it not be a duping, yep. <laughs> right? Like yep. we've been duped. Like I, I just I speak for my generation of people too, where we I grew up in America, in the U.S., mm-hmm. and it was one hundred percent Islamophobic. Okay, anything, anything, and I'm just going to say it out loud because people have heard me say it before. Any any religion that is associated with darker skinned humans is is phobic. That's just one hundred percent true yep. in North America. And I, I mean, as a born in the U.S., it's shameful, right? Like, it's absolutely shameful mm-hmm. to be raised in an industrial military machine that basically, because by the time I was 18, I couldn't wait to join the Army. Mm. And now, looking back, I'm like, what the? Like, that's not me, right? But it was, I couldn't wait. I couldn't yeah, wait to yeah. just get in there and do whatever they were telling us to do. Yeah. You know, um, 
uh, unfortunately, other you know other people did have to go and serve and fight for that stuff. Yeah. And I wonder how they feel, right? Yeah. I, I know. Uh, anyway, I'm not going to get off on a tangent because no, I no. I know people want to hear from you, yeah. not me. So yeah. Well, it's you know it's, it's not a tangent at all. It's you know people mm. are people here. I think people have just generally. Uh, you know, they have an impulse to want to do good. Mm -hmm. They want to, you know, serve their country and mm -hmm. help their people and, you know, stand against injustice. And yeah. part of the, the propaganda that we've been subjected to, um, you know, I know what you're talking about growing up with Islamophobia. Mm -hmm. I mean, I grew up, you know, I was growing up during the war on terror years. Oh. And those years were, I mean, they were terrifying for us in the Arab and Muslim communities. I cannot sure. even imagine. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, the narrative is interesting. Because what they what they what they do is they they convince people that actually if you're standing against Islam, standing against just the sort of Arab mm -hmm. person, the Arab people, yeah. um, that you're standing on the side of good, and that's you know facilitated by these stereotypes mm -hmm. of Arabs are the ones who are responsible for violence. It's mm -hmm. Arabs that are you know you look at the Middle East. And it's just like, oh, it's just a place that's always been at war, it's always been chaotic, and that's kind of because Arabs and Muslims are just kind of a, a chaotic, violent people. Jeez, and it's almost like you're teaching me American history. Yeah. Right? Yeah, it is It is kind of taught that way, yeah. right? 100%. Um, yeah. That without the U.S. is there, the U.S. there for stability, it would be a parking lot. It's basically how they sell. Pretty much, yeah. And the, 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 the fact of the matter is, it's the complete opposite. I mean, you know. I, I you know I studied Middle Eastern politics and and international relations at the University of Calgary and mm -hmm. you know I'm fortunate to have had some good uh, professors there um, you know I wouldn't say the whole department is filled with people like mm -hmm. this it's usually actually the opposite but there's a you know uh, Tariq Ismail is a professor there who's mm -hmm. like you know one of the really good you know progressive and critical minded professors on the Middle mm -hmm. East one you know a really good expert on the Middle East and you know I learned a lot from him about this history and really what you find is that Actually, the U.S. and the Western countries have been responsible for destabilizing that region more than anything. 100%. You know, um, they are they are the supporters of the biggest, worst dictatorships. Worst, mm -hmm. uh, like Saudi Arabia is like one of Israel's best friends, well, one of Israel's best friends, but also mm -hmm. one of the United States' best friends in the 100%. region. Right? Like they, you know, they they back these guys. Um, you know, we've seen in in countries like. Libya, you know, in my lifetime, in like the last, what, 10, 15 years, was destroyed by the United States. Utterly Syria. demolished. Yeah, yeah, Syria, the United States mm -hmm. intervened, backed some of the most reactionary sections yeah. of Syrian society, right? And now what's what's Libya like? Well, it used to be, you know, I'm not going to say things were perfect, right? But it used to be Where like a, you know, developing country in Africa, one of the most mm -hmm. developed, right? It was a stable country, right? You might not like Gaddafi, but like what it is now Mm -hmm. I mean, after the U.S. was done there, the, the social and political fabric of that country was annihilated, mm -hmm. wiped out. You know, there were, there were slaves being traded on the, on the streets of Tripoli, mm -hmm. slave markets on the streets of, of, of Tripoli in Libya. That was the result of the U.S.'s uh, humanitarian intervention in Libya. I, oh my God, humanitarian intervention, yeah. a joke, hey? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> I mean, it's... God, it's it, humanitarian for the U.S., <laughs> but not for all humans. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I question even like, uh, you know, there's a whole separate question of is this even in the interest of American citizens? Mm -hmm. I, I question that. Oh, I doubt it is. A lot of, yeah, a lot of Americans also died in Iraq. Mm -hmm. 
you know, died in Afghanistan, and for what? Iraq, same thing. Yeah. Okay, I'm no fan of Saddam. Saddam was a horrible sure. dictator. Yeah. He was also the U.S.'s uh, ally for many years before against they Iran. turned against him. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they support, sent him all kinds of weapons and aid, and you know. And then you know they turn around and decide you know they no longer want him, mm -hmm. and they go and you know remove him, uh, invade Iraq, bomb the hell out of that country, and then what? Like that country also politically. Mm -hmm. socially just the, the the fabric of the country was destroyed mm -hmm. to the extent that you had these al-qaeda figures yep. suddenly spring up and take over an enormous section of the territory of iraq and then also syria mm -hmm. right so like you're you know what what you're correct when you say you know the not you but you know oh, when yeah. the narrative is correct when it says that the middle east is chaotic it's very unstable there's a lot of you know, Especially really in between foreign trends. invaders. Yeah, well, that's the thing. Is like, you know, where is this coming from, right? Yeah. Is this coming from the Arab people and the Muslim people and their inherent chaoticness and violentness, or is no. this coming from the fact that we are not able to breathe? We don't have a chance to mm -hmm. to have any kind of progressive movements in in the Middle East. I mean, yeah. you take Afghanistan, right? Like, mm -hmm. there's a lot of propaganda about this as well. But in the 70s, Afghanistan had a progressive revolution, mm -hmm. you know, led by socialists and communists. And they were pushing women's rights and uh, workers' rights and land mm -hmm. reform and education in the countryside. And what did the United States do? What did, how did they respond to that? They backed the most reactionary sections of Afghan society. These fellows like... Uh, uh, Gilbadin Hekmatyar mm -hmm. and Ahmed Shah Massoud, you know, who were basically celebrated in, in areas in the West at the time, right? I mean, there's this, you may have seen this uh, old article of like Osama bin Laden in Afghanistan and the Western media saying, like, I can't remember which newspaper it was, it might have been the New York Times. Probably said like the last chance against the Russian invaders or yeah. something, right? Yeah, it was celebrating yeah. him as like a hero. And this yeah. was Osama bin Laden. And, I remember you know, those days. Yeah. yeah, and these were the guys, I mean, Hekmatyar and, and Masood, these were guys who like on Kabul University used to throw acid in the faces of women mm -hmm. who were trying to study there. And these mm -hmm. were the people that the United States and its allies decided were the people it was going to back in Afghanistan, and you know they massacred the progressives there. Mm -hmm. the, you know, so there was an, a real effort at progressive uh, transformation in the in the Muslim world, yeah. and it was slaughtered. Sla literally, mm -hmm. people were slaughtered uh, in you know by by these forces backed by the United States. And that's insanity to me, right? So as an uninformed human, like, what do you think? Not that you are. I am the uninformed human. Well. Um, but like, what do you think is the cause of this? Like deep-seated Islamophobia. Now, I, I know we could probably trace it back to the Crusades, probably to some extent for some people, um, for the more religious people, right, the, um, on either side, on any side. Um, but, like, to me, it just doesn't, I don't understand why we're, the West is so afraid of it. I don't get it. I, yeah. Like, we're so afraid of it like communism, right? Like, the West is so afraid of communism. Mm -hmm. I mean, you've obviously studied a lot, so you... You probably have studied the days in the U.S. where people were, and probably Canada, where we were being arrested if you, they thought you were right. a commie or a socialist, right? Yeah, and yeah. they put you on a list and all that stuff. Like, to me, and so now when I hear people afraid of communism, I laugh, right? Because I'm like, why, why do we fight against these things that they're just ideas? And, mm -hmm. and the people that bring them are, are valuable people. It doesn't mean we have to, like kill the idea and the person like we don't have to do anything like that right yeah. to me i don't get it yeah. I, I i mean and maybe as a as a fellow who's had to had to live in that world in north america as well like have you have you come to any like conclusions about it like where is it coming from why are we so afraid yeah yeah I, well i mean full disclosure i i also identify as a communist mm -hmm. and you know uh <laughs> 
like I, I know what you're talking about this this history of demonization and yeah. you know you can't even mention the word today without people just like getting their backs up and having well, they'll all discount kinds of everything strange. you say after that yeah yeah right? pretty much yeah. right and hey you know that's <laughs> you know there's a lot of propaganda on a lot of fronts and I think you Not know sure. Arabs and Muslims are used to also being dismissed in that way as well mm. right it's like as soon as you you know even on this Palestine issue like there are a lot of people who it's unfortunate, but are more likely to listen to white folks or Jewish folks mm -hmm. talking about this issue than they yeah. are to listen to Arabs and, and Muslims. And it's a, it's a huge problem. Very racist in itself, right? Oh, but, for sure it is. You know, if, you, if you're asking why it's there, I mean, I'd say, like, you know, <laughs> there, is, uh, there is a system in, in the world that sort mm -hmm. of uh, gives the United States and countries that ally with it an incentive to demonize these kinds mm -hmm. of people. Right? You could definitely include England in there. Oh, absolutely. Because England, England, in my mind, England's like the OG of colonialism. Right? Yeah. Like, yeah. they're like the ones who kind of perfected it. Because they're still, you know what I mean? Like, they still oh, yeah. have all the shit they've stolen. Yeah, yeah. How well, do you do hey, that? They set up these states here, <laughs> North yeah. America. We're, yeah. we're a product of the, the British Empire, too, right? I know, and it's yeah. sickening. Yeah. 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 But just like in that example, I mean, why, why demonize the natives in this country, for example? Yeah. Why, why demonize the people in the countries that you're colonizing? It's mm -hmm. because that facilitates colonization. 100%. You, you convince your own people. How do you get people to put on a uniform mm -hmm. and pick up a gun and go and murder, you know, brown and black folks yeah. in another country? Well, you tell them they're savage, they don't know what to do with their land, they're, you know, they're, they're ignorant, barbarians, they're, they're yeah. ignorant, and we're going there to enlighten them. We're yeah. going there to teach them civilization. Oh, right? I just got that like yeah. ugh, chill of the enlightenment. Yeah, yeah. It's <laughs> yeah. horrendous. It's and awful. It's, it's everywhere, <laughs> yeah, right? And is. and what is it actually for? Are they teaching us civilization and human mm -hmm. rights? Is that what they did in Libya? Teach us about civilization? Is that what they did in Iraq? Teach us about human rights and progressive values? No, I mean they're going to exploit the hell out of these countries, mm -hmm. right? They're going because there's resources, there's uh, cheap labor, mm -hmm. um, and the, you know they they go and they they beat down any attempt at sort of independence, any mm -hmm. attempt at trying to develop our own countries instead mm -hmm. of like allowing our resources and our labor to be yeah. exploited by basically Western capital. Mm -hmm. um, and that's a huge thing. I mean, you know, even Canada, like I think people maybe underestimate the extent to which Canada is complicit in all this as well. Oh God, yeah, they are. Yeah, I, I mean, uh, I've heard that 60% of the world's mining companies are domiciled in Canada and some three quarters of them trade on the Toronto Stock Exchange. Wow. And these mining companies, I mean, where do they get their profits? I mean, there's some mining to do in Canada, but really what they're, where they're mining mm -hmm. is in Africa and Latin America and Asia. And, you know, there are protests against Canadian mining companies mm -hmm. um, all over the world. I think people don't realize this. There have been protests in Australia recently. Mm -hmm. um, you may have seen, I think it was the Naomi Klein documentary on uh, climate change mm -hmm. where she go, went to Greece and there was a protest against a Canadian mining company in Greece. Yeah. I mean, these are also like developed countries. These aren't, like, you know, quote unquote developed. There were some in Mexico too, wasn't there? Oh, they're protests all over the Because place. I know they have mines down there. Yeah, yeah. all over the place. I mean, one thing that, you know, uh, there's a story from the early days of this genocide in Gaza that mm. uh, uh, I think like kind of fell below the radar. I mean, it might, it's the kind of story that might have fallen below the radar anyway, but I think because all the attention was on Gaza, people may have missed it. But it was in Panama. There were land defenders who had set up, like activists, who had set up a road blockade in Panama mm -hmm. as a protest against the encroachment on their land um, by a development project, by a, a mining project. And there was um, an American was in Panama. This was in, I think, November. November? Okay. Yeah. So early, like very, like Gaza was still just kind yeah. of like this genocide was still Shocking. in its early weeks. Yeah. yeah. Um, Still shocking to me, but... 
Oh yeah. Well, yeah. we haven't gotten to that yet, but there's yeah. there's a lot to get into there. But uh, you know, just just what happened in Panama was mm -hmm. this. Um, they set up a road blockade, so blocking traffic as a form of protest. And there was an American lawyer, um, sort of middle-aged white lawyer, who was stuck in traffic, and was I guess so incensed about this that he got out of his car with a gun and shot down two of these protesters, shot them dead. Oh um, and he's now facing you know murder or manslaughter charges. And uh, you know. But that's, you know, that's first of all an example of sort of like vigilante white mm -hmm. violence on brown bodies. I wonder what kind of propaganda this man had been subjected to that yeah. told him that it was okay for him to step out of that car and gun down to, you know, people fighting for their land, mm -hmm. to Panamanian activists fighting mm -hmm. for their land. Um, but the reason I bring this up is because what's interesting about the story to me is what they were protesting against. It was a Canadian mining company yeah. that was going to set up in their land and they were mm -hmm. saying, you know, this is going to ruin our... Our, our land is going to ruin our, our access to the resources that we need. Of course. Um, and, you know, this, this entire system mm -hmm. facilitates the exploitation of the rest of the world oh, by Western countries. And it's still ongoing. I know, I know we know the history of colonialism, mm -hmm. but it's still there today. Well, and it's even ongoing within our country today, right? Mm -hmm. Like if, you, if people out there think that the RCMP won't kill Indigenous people in order to get what they need or what they're told they need, mm -hmm. they absolutely will. They have done it. They will continue to do it. They have absolutely no qualms about doing it. I've seen some of the years ago, I saw some private chats that cops were having with each other about indigenous population, and it was fucking sickening, yeah. right? Obviously, to the point where I told the person he needs to do something about it right. because I'm like, this is fucking gross, right? Yeah. Like, um, because we are not, like, and, and when you, when, like, I don't know if you've known this, but I, I used to volunteer with the police here in town yeah. as a, chaplain, social worker. I'm non-religious, so it was more of a social worker thing. But um, in order to, sometimes I would hear them talk about how, you know, it, it would be just really a lot better for, they would use derogatory terms, which I won't repeat, um, because I don't say that stuff, but that they should realize they're a conquered people. That's how a lot of the police think. Right. And I know, like, I, I believe that you've had some recent encounters with our Calgary police. And I hope that we're okay to talk about that because honestly, our, I, I am ashamed I ever volunteered with them. I'm ashamed at how they're handling over the last couple of years. I'm ashamed. I'm ashamed I ever had my name on their roster somewhere. Right. Because it's sickening to me how they've managed to twist stuff up to make good people fighting for land, fighting for their rights, fighting for a whole bunch of people they don't even know mm -hmm. and they can just like demonize them like that yeah. right and then our the chief of i say i was about to say our chief of police but he's not mm -hmm. mine mm -hmm. but he can get on tv and make threats to people and nobody questions it yeah. right yeah. nobody says a damn thing about it and i honestly i i've listened to it and i'm just like okay okay like i work with some of these people in in that service and i know some of them are pretty smart i don't understand why they're acting so ignorant like i don't like, if you claim to be the, the moral guideline, which obviously this fellow is claiming to be, like, yeah. the moral, and seriously, that's laughable. People just need to get to know him, um, <laughs> as if they ever would. But, like, it's laughable to think that that's the moral guideline people actually want to follow, right? Like, it's okay for this sheriff in the wide, Wild West to get on TV and say, yeah, we'll just drive you out to the middle of nowhere and make you walk back. Most people not realizing that he was probably a part of the last group of cops to actually do that to yeah. people, right? Yeah. To take them out on those sunshine, whatever they call it. Starlight tours. Starlight tours. It's, it's gross, right? Um, 
But anyway, I got off on a tangent there, and I'll, I just want to bring it back to you because I know um, this has been on my mind when they arrested you, right? Mm -hmm. Like when I saw that you were arrested, I was like, what a joke, yeah. right? Like, and I'm sure now you've probably got a label with CSIS. Right, probably. Yeah. Right, I might have before. I don't know. Yeah, who knows? Right? Who knows? Mine might too. Who knows? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Sorry, um, I interrupted you. No, no, and you know, it's again, none of this is actually tangential because, like, there is this structure in place that yeah. has global ramifications yeah. and also extends to the local level. So, of course, you know, of course, it does. Yeah. You know, it's it's this country is complicit in this genocide. One hundred percent. There are weapons produced in Canada mm -hmm. that are sent to Israel and are being used on civilians and children in mm -hmm. Gaza. Here in Calgary, we have uh, Lockheed Martin has an office, Raytheon has an office, and there are a few others. I mean, these are the worst weapons companies that are involved in literally, literally ma making this genocide possible. Mm -hmm. And they're allowed to function here. There hasn't been any word of like maybe stopping their activities or maybe telling them, hey, maybe don't send weapons in to the to a war zone that's uh, being subjected to a genocide at the mm -hmm. moment. I mean, the Canadian government has now called for a ceasefire yeah. in Gaza. Yeah. Which is like, oh, great, thank you. You know, four and a half months later, finally, finally, this bare it just, minimum. It took Trudeau that long to write it. You just have to yeah. give him a break. He's not that, like, fluent in uh, writing. I don't know what he is fluent in. It's certainly not international law. Oh, my um, God. Because, like, by this point, enough, enough. I yeah. mean, and, it's, and the thing is, like, it's a ceasefire call, but... Is, is, is he saying Canada will now stop exporting weapons to Israel? No. Nope. I haven't heard that. Not a word. Uh, the last we heard, uh, this was reported, I believe, by the CBC uh, a couple weeks ago, is that like Canada has actually accelerated its uh, exports of arms to Israel mm. in the last, uh, you know, in the, in the course of this genocide. Yeah. So in 2022, there were, uh, in the whole of 2022, the year before the genocide began, there were $21 million of arms sent from Canada to Israel, which is already bad enough in That's itself because Israel's been, you know, uh, you know, doing a lot for a long time. But what they need is more guns, for sure. Exactly, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. what but, they need are more bombs, for yeah. sure. But <laughs> since October, right, since this began, in just that four four months or so, it, the number was $28 million of arms sent in to four Israel. Months. In four months. So $21 million in a year, $28 million in four months during a genocide. Mm -hmm. That is obscene. That is unconscionable. And, That's shameful, man. You know? All right, yeah. great. Ceasefire call. Thank you. Four months too late. Yeah. Okay. Now you need to... That's an empty call if you're still going to be arming one of the parties. Yeah. Arming the party that is committing a genocide yeah. here. It's an empty call for a ceasefire. It's insane. Right? And, you know, this structure is maintained by all of this, even by local police. I mean, mm -hmm. we've been doing our protests, and there's been, like... We've been sort of going back and forth on the question of how disruptive to be, mm -hmm. you know. And, I, you know, the, the idea is that, you know, you just disrupt things here enough that they aren't able to continue with this and they have to abide by your demands. Mm -hmm. I know it sounds all like, no, no. you know, it sounds like, oh, like bullying behavior. But really, what are our demands? They're extremely reasonable. What do, Stop. What do you have to do? Yeah, exactly. It's like, what you know, we've been here for four months now mm -hmm. and like we haven't seen... Uh, serious change in the policy and what, what are we asking for our demands are not unreasonable mm -hmm. stop supporting a genocide that's that's like plainly that that that's a basic thing that's already international law mm -hmm. puts this obligation on these countries really we're not asking them to do anything that outlandish mm -hmm. right it's quite the opposite it's absurd that they haven't done it on their own that Absolutely. these protests even need to happen but the Calgary police here and police services mm -hmm. across the country they are the front line of making sure that those disruptions aren't disruptive enough to work. Mm -hmm. And they have their own reasons for doing it, and they want to make sure that things go smoothly here, and that's what it is. It's all about yeah. business as usual. And, and people of conscience around the world are saying, no more business as usual while mm -hmm. this is going on. We're not going to sit by and allow this to happen. How could it be? 
Mm-hmm. We're all connected. Yeah. Right. Like, and, and outside of the governing bodies who think they're they speak for us, obviously they do not like anymore. Like, if they ever did, but the yeah, you're right. The front line is the local local government, local police, local enforcement, because that is like the first. That's the first stage in enforcing that white supremacy, right? That I can see as a white man inherent in our system. I can see it plain as day now because of all these different things that obviously show that the system from the beginning, and sorry, I'm just going to go back a second. I just started reading a book called 100, The Hundred Year War on Palestine. Mm. And so what a lot of people don't understand is that it goes way back before 1937. Like mm. it goes way back, like pre-Ottoman Empire, right? Like that kind of... Um, that kind of history is what we're talking about. So for folks out there that think it just started in the 19, it's not that way. Like this mm-hmm. goes way back. But but of course, the quote unquote allied powers would like us to believe that that was when it started. It's because when Israel said it started. But see, mm-hmm. from what I understand, what I'm gathering is that prior to even the those wars in the 1900s was uh, prior to World War One, right? Was that colonialism had already begun there yeah right and you can see all you just and this the book it just outlines kind of what it was and obviously i can't remember i can't quote it but it just outlines so clearly that colonialism when it started like and how it started and how and how the techniques of colonialism it's obviously english right like because it's so english like it's so english Mm -hmm. and there's so much um uh england in there Right from the beginning of their yeah. their hands in there, the massacres they perpetrated, like their the English army, and I'm not talking about English backed armies. I mean actual English armies perpetrating massacres in Palestine, mm-hmm. right? And at the behest of we know who, right? They're they're buddies, you know, mm-hmm. um, and that's to me is sickening. But of course, we don't get that history. Yeah. As far yeah. as we're concerned in North America, nothing started until Israel said it started. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, and it, it, in a sense, it's like it wasn't unique to Palestine either. That sort of, of course not. you know, colonial barbarism. We've seen that everywhere. Everywhere. Um, Palestine, I guess, has this, you know, this somewhat, like, I guess the one thing that makes it unique is that it was a settler colonial area, mm-hmm. right? It, was, it wasn't just set for colon, colonial exploitation. Yeah. It was set for settlement. It was, mm-hmm. you know, the British government in 1917 declared its support for the Zionist project. And, you know, I'd really like to get into Zionism because to me, this is, this is the heart of the problem yeah. in Palestine. People always ask, you know, what do we do to solve this or whatever? Mm-hmm. First of all, stop the genocide. <laughs> That's yeah. like point one is like, like, you must stop this genocide before we can even begin to talk about like yeah. long-term peace solutions. But mm-hmm. if we do get into that, it's like, you know, Zionism really is at the heart of this lasting, persisting uh, violence in Palestine. Mm-hmm. And, you know, uh, you need to kind of understand the history to know why that is, right? Yeah. And so in 1917, the British government declares its support for the Zionist project, which has started, you know, some decades earlier and, yeah. you know, was a project that comes out, I mean, the Zionist ideology comes out of European, you know, um, a colonial ideology. It really inherits a lot of colonial assumptions. It's mm-hmm. like there is such a thing as like race essentialism, that mm-hmm. there's like different races and you know, they're, one of those races is the Jewish race and they're never going to be welcome in Europe because Europe belongs to other races. It belongs mm-hmm. to the British race, the German race, the French race. And mm-hmm. so the, Israel, the, the Jewish race must have its own homeland, its own state, yeah. otherwise it will never be safe. And you know, to be fair, it's a reaction to extreme anti-Semitism across Europe. 
Yeah. Right. It's, it's a it's a reaction to that, but it adopts and, and inherits a lot of its assumptions. Mm -hmm. And it says that you know basically we have to we have to create our own state somewhere. Mm -hmm. And you know there were a few different areas in the world that were proposed, but Palestine was the one that was settled on. He's got this sort of biblical significance. Mm -hmm. Um, and, you know, they were very clear that this is like a colonial project, you mm -hmm. know, back in those days. I mean, you know, they didn't hide what they were. They yeah, used didn't to they have even like, call it like the how to, how, how to colonize kind yeah, of papers, yeah, the papers on colonization. Yeah, yeah it was a colonial. Yeah. They, were, they, were, they yeah. didn't, you know, these were the days when colonialism was just on the surface. They didn't hide what they were doing. You know, they today, show you a blueprint. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Today they call it like the G7, but yeah. these kinds of meetings used to be called like the Imperial Conference. Right? <laughs> like they, didn't, they didn't hide what they were. Totally. Just right? like apartheid, right? Like yeah. We've moved away from that. Now we just call it, um, yeah. well, the indigenous populations that we control. Right, right, exactly. Yeah, yeah. everything is just about like, you know, PR yeah. and what it, what you call it, what 100%. you label it, rather than what it substantively is. But yeah. they weren't, they didn't hide it. You know, this is a colonial project in Palestine and they were mm. very explicit. And, you know, uh, in 1917, the British government declares its support for this. This mm -hmm. is Ar the Balfour Declaration made by Arthur Balfour, who was a British uh, diplomat. And, yeah. you know, it's interesting because this man, Arthur Balfour was like a hardcore racist. Like mm -hmm. he's had said some obscenely racist things about about people and even about Jews. He said he has a quote where he says, uh, "I'm sort of paraphrasing, but he says, you know, the the Zionist project will help us solve this problem. There is a problem in Europe, which is an alien body that cannot be reconciled with Europe, that cannot be absorbed into Europe, that doesn't belong here, essentially. Mm -hmm. And so you support the Zionist project and you get these people out, get these get Jews out of Europe. Basically, mm -hmm. is there." Is their approach and that's I mean my god like this is this is like pure anti-semitism mm -hmm. and they're saying well we want to support the Zionist project so we get these Jews out of here it's absurd you know it's obscene and this it's obscene guy, now but then it was yeah. the blueprint right oh yeah then yeah. it was I mean you, know, you could just tell your buddy rampant. Yeah. yeah yeah it was just that kind of hatred and racism was just commonplace oh, right it breaks my heart um, and so you know they uh, they did this and uh, Britain expressed its support for this. Mm -hmm. You know, this Balfour guy, like, you know, a few years ago was the 100th anniversary, 1917, 2017, 100th anniversary of the Balfour Declaration. And I was in London at the time, London, England, and mm -hmm. there was a big celebration there of, like, Balfour, mm -hmm. you know, 100 years of Balfour and celebrating this man. I'm like, this man is an anti-Semite. Mm -hmm. This man is a racist. And here you have Israel supporters, mm -hmm. you know, who claim to, like, care about, you know, protection of Jewish people mm -hmm. and be against anti-Semitism. And it's like, here... You have this man who is a, a mm -hmm. rampant, unapologetic anti-Semite, mm -hmm. and he's being celebrated because of his role in helping yeah. to establish the Israeli state. Okay, well, fine, let them <laughs> let them mm -hmm. do that. Um, so then Zionism basically comes with this objective of mm -hmm. re reshaping the demographic landscape of Palestine, and they were explicit about this. Like, mm -hmm. you know, they there were a lot of sort. There was a lot, they encouraged Jewish immigration into Palestine. Mm -hmm. Um, and, you know, you talk to Palestinians, and a lot of them are like, yeah, we welcome Jewish refugees fleeing mm -hmm. from Europe and from the Holocaust. Like, we welcome them in because, like, you know, they, you, know, it's, you talk to Palestinians, and it's like you talk to them about what they think of their land before, before Israel. And, you know, there's this, this narrative, this, this propaganda that Palestinians want to wipe Jews off the map, wipe, uh, mm -hmm. get rid of, drive the Jews into the sea, get Jews out of Palestine. Remove, like, mm -hmm. that, uh, that if Palestine has its freedom, it will mean all the Jews in that land are forced to leave or are subjected to a genocide or something. It's not true. I don't, yeah, I, could, I can't believe that because a lot of Palestine has Jewish people in there. Palestine always had Jewish people. Yeah. And you talk to Palestinians, yeah. and this is what they say. They're like, what, what Israel took away from them was a land where Muslims, 
Christians and Jews live together mm -hmm. in peace. I mean, you know. Oh, they would never want that. Ah, well, <laughs> that goes right. against Zionism, though, to my understanding. It does, right? yeah, that, and that's the problem. Yeah. I mean, Zionism says we must have a Jewish state. And what does yeah. a Jewish state mean? It means a Jewish majority state. Mm -hmm. But how do you establish a Jewish majority state in a land that's majority non-Jewish? Mm -hmm. This is the problem. This is Colonialism the answers the question. Colonialism and ethnic cleansing. Yep. That's the only way. And, you know, they were very explicit about this. Yeah. Like, uh, there's a quote from David Ben-Gurion, who would become the first prime minister of Israel. But mm -hmm. this quote was from a few years before Israel was established. And he says, uh, he's talking about like the area that's sort of been, because they had the partition plan and there mm -hmm. was an area that was sort of set out as this would be the Jewish state. Um, and he's, the quote is him lamenting the fact that in this area, there's only a 60% majority of Jews. Mm -hmm. And that's not enough. It's not a stable enough majority. They need a much bigger majority than that. Otherwise, the, the, demograph, the, the Jewish majority in that state would be in threat. They might not be able to maintain it as a Jewish majority state forever. So you need to have a higher percentage of Jews and immigration Jewish immigration from Europe like did some of that but mm -hmm. it, it wasn't enough to get above this 60% mm -hmm. and then a few years after that you have uh, there's a quote from a man who was the director of the Jewish National Fund mm -hmm. which was this um, organization set up basically to promote the Zionist project and to promote the colonization of Palestine still exists by the way it has an office here in Calgary so you know that that's still around I'm not surprised yeah <laughs> there's um, one here yeah <laughs> But one of the high officials of this this um, this organization, the Jewish National Fund, I think it was in 1947, mm -hmm. he has a quote where he says, like, we have to face this, and I'm mm -hmm. paraphrasing him, he says, we have to face this reality. We, we, there's only one way to resolve this problem mm -hmm. of the demographics in Palestine, and that is to transfer the Arabs out of Palestine. Mm -hmm. Transfer the Arabs out of Palestine. Transfer. And he says, we have to just face this head on, because he knows what he's talking about. It's like pretty unsavory. Mm -hmm. Right, even you know some Zionists are saying like, do we have to do this? Yeah. Is there any other way? And he comes out and he says the only way is to transfer them all, but save a few. And then 1948 happens. Mm -hmm. 1947 is when the ethnic cleansing starts, yeah. and it lasts until 1949. Mm -hmm. 1948 is when Israel uh, announces its, you know, uh, declares its independence as a state. Mm -hmm. And in that time, out of a population of about one and a half million Palestinians. Around, it was a little less than that, 1.3 million or something. Um, 850,000 Palestinians are expelled from the land that now is the Israeli state. Mm -hmm. Talking about almost the entire population. This is the transfer. Mm -hmm. This is solving the 60% problem. Yeah. Right? And, you know, the question is how else could they have done it? Mm -hmm. This is the only way they could have done it. Zionism mm -hmm. could not have achieved its aims without ethnic cleansing of the mm -hmm. Palestinians. Of course They not. wouldn't have had a Jewish majority. Yeah. And, you know, okay, and then they, they absorbed that land, and they also conquered a lot of land that was not part of the partition plan, like the mm -hmm. actual borders, quote-unquote, borders yeah. of Israel today are actually a lot larger than they were in the partition plan. Mm -hmm. But then, you know, that's almost They're the entire... They're just slowly population. taking their land back. <laughs> their yeah. land back, yeah, yeah, right? You know. Yeah. But we understand that here in, in Canada, for sure. Yeah. Land back is a big deal here. Oh, yeah. Right? Like it's... And, and for Canadians not to kind of make that that connection, mm -hmm. that's challenging, right? Because it, it's the same everywhere. Yeah. And if we just look at, like, Canada wasn't the first place colonized, right? Like, mm -hmm. there's there was colonization going on long before us. Mm -hmm. And it always included the elimination of another um, race, mm -hmm. right, uh, of mm -hmm. beings, or the attempted elimination of beings. Um, and probably, more so, save a few so that you can convert, right? Like, I mean, because yeah, yeah. that also was part of the colonization was the church, yeah, yeah. right? Yeah. Was especially the British and French, 
Yep. Oh, right. they had that here. Kill what was it? Kill the Indian, save the man. Yeah. Save the man, kill the Indian. And that's where that. residential schools yeah. and boarding schools down yeah. in the States came from, right? Was to try to kill the indigenous and save the person so that they could but in the yeah. process, of course, we're gonna kill thousands, millions. Yeah, yeah. So that we have the upper hand. Yeah. And those who remain we're gonna totally turn yeah. into Europeans basically, destroy their, their connection to their ancestry and their heritage. Yeah. And you know, I I'm not surprised that Canadians are willing to tolerate this in Palestine mm -hmm. because they, they're willing to tolerate it here. It's 100%. still ongoing, like you said, oh, yeah. in relation to the RCMP. And, yeah. you know, well, and the local police in different yeah. cities, right? Like we, yeah. we mentioned it in a, in a passing kind of way, but even, even like the heads of these law enforcement organizations are able to make these threats and nothing happens to them, mm -hmm. right? You and I, we cannot do that. We do not have those liberties, <laughs> right? And nor necessarily should yeah. we. Right, be able well, to just course, yeah. wantonly threaten people, but nor do we need to, right? Um, oh, yeah. Because we're the ones fighting. Yeah. We have no nothing to threaten you with. Yeah. Like we're, we're we have nothing. I mean, we're right? fighting for liberation yeah. and human dignity. Our 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 politics is not based on threats. Mm -hmm. Our politics is based on like seeing the humanity in each other mm -hmm. and fighting for structures and political systems yeah. that are able to allow that humanity to flourish. Encourage and celebrate it. Yeah. Right. But it's the system that we live under, mm -hmm. this you know, colonial, imperialist, capitalist system that is built on violence. Mm -hmm. It requires violence because the only way to exploit people mm -hmm. is through violence. You need to take someone's land. They're yeah. not just going to give it to you. Yeah. You must crush them. You must ethnically cleanse them or murder them, like happened in this land. And crush well. their spirit, right? Yeah. And, and then blame them for being crushed. Right. Right. Yeah, and yeah. don't blame yourself. Don't take any responsibility, yeah. but blame them for being crushed. Yeah. Yeah. And then you yeah. turn around and wonder why we have such uh, enormous levels of poverty and, yeah. and just misery in these communities. Mm -hmm. and, and then, you know, these racists turn around and say, well, clearly there's something lacking mm -hmm. in their race, in their culture. You hear this all the time in relation to, God. you know, black communities in yeah. the United States. The most vicious right wing racists come out and they say, yeah. oh, black crime rates are high. It's because there's something wrong in their culture. It's because there's something wrong in their people. Not because these are people were are the descendants of literal slaves that were torn off their land and mm -hmm. subjected to the most cruel indignities yeah. and their communities continue to persist with this trauma mm -hmm. that causes poverty and that poverty is related to crime. Mm -hmm. No, it's there's something wrong with the black soul. Because it, it can't be the system's fault. Exactly. Right? It couldn't yeah. be the fact that those senators and governors down there we're forcing certain races into certain areas of cities mm -hmm. to make sure that those cities would experience poverty on mm -hmm. a large scale. Also, where are you going to deliver the drugs that your government's dealing? Right? <laughs> right yeah, and I know people laugh at that, right? But I'm an American. That war on drugs is stupid. Mm -hmm. It always has been stupid. And it was basically what, I, and this is what bothers me about us in North America not being able to see the connections between not only our own land, but let's just go back a few years when the war on drugs started and it was South America's turn, mm. right? When the Americans were down there like murdering whoever they wanted because of the cartels, right? And then they, and I know they still, I don't know if they have done this, but they were, what, they were talking about labeling cartels as terror organizations because if they label them as terror organizations, they fall under totally different parameters than the law, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. As I'm sure, um, a, a fellow who's experienced the Islamophobia in North America since 2001, right? Where from my, from our side of things, everyone's like, oh yeah, rah, 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 we got to get them back. But then it's like, wait, 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 wait. <laughs> because whoever did this is already dead because they died in their attacks, right? So like now we have to understand if we're going to do something back, it, 
it, it's going to be out of um, proportion, no matter what we do. It's out of proportion, right? Because those folks who planned those attacks and all that, they're, they're gone, right? Yeah. Um, and even if there's some that are alive, the reason for those attacks was not, and I, I don't, I'm not trying to make it sound like I understand, because I don't know if I do, right? But I can, I can see the correlation between people being abused, oppressed, um, taken advantage of, taken for granted of, take, taken off their land, give, taken their land, all those things. I can see the correlation as to how, how people join up yeah, yeah. to do those disruptive, those incredibly destructive things, yeah. right? It's because they, they're not being heard, right? Yeah. And when we're here, even in our, in our country here where we're safe, if we're not heard, we stand up and we start yelling, mm -hmm. right? Like, and if we don't, if we're not heard, eventually there will be people in this country, in every country, that will stand up and will start being violent, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And I, I hope I, I wish for a better place, but we're not there, right? Like, yeah. and and unfortunately, the powers that be here just want to continually downplay portions of the world's contribution to society. Right, like mm -hmm. um, they don't—they didn't tell us during that twenty-plus-year war in Afghanistan that it was about lithium. <laughs> they didn't tell us that. They never told us no, during no. the war. Do you think that we heard anything in our news about lithium mines or cobalt mines or any of that stuff? Mm -hmm. Nothing, nothing. It was all Al Qaeda. It was all Osama. And then when he was killed, it was just Al Qaeda. And then it was ISIS. And do you know what I mean? Yeah. To me. There's just too many freaking enemies for all of those folks to be enemies, right? Like, there's got to be some correlation as to why folks are doing what they're doing, mm -hmm. you know, some reason for it. And um, I know that we, uh, don't get me wrong, I, I wish there was no bombs. I wish there was none of that stuff necessary. Um, but I, I've never been, I've never had someone put their foot on my neck for 20 years and then let me up. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't know how I would act, right? Yeah. Yeah, like, and I think it's the wrong question to ask, like, to mm. try and morally pass judgment on these people who mm. are living at the very bottom of an extremely oppressive, dehumanizing system. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, let's let's come to Gaza, because, like, this is this is really part okay. of the propaganda yeah. around October 7th, right? Yeah. Um, that, that event on October 7th has been used to basically justify all manner of dehumanizing treatment of the Palestinians by Israel. Yeah. And you hear this thing again and again, do you condemn Hamas for what they did on October 7th? If you, if you watch like news uh, clips yeah. of interviews with anyone, anyone even you know, remotely uh, advocating for some sort of respect for Palestinian mm -hmm. human rights, it comes this question, do you condemn Hamas for what happened on October 7th? Well, I mean, we, we have to look at October 7th as in a context here, right? It's not isolated. It's not. And I mean, you know, Let's talk about the people of Gaza for a second. Let's just talk about who it is that did this, mm -hmm. right? This is basically a concentration camp. Before October 7th, this was a, a, a land that was treated like a concentration camp. The starting point for Gaza has to be, in my view, that remember when I said that the, almost the entire population of, of what's now Israel was expelled from that land? Mm -hmm. Well, 70% of the population of Gaza were people who were expelled from that land yeah. or, or have been expelled since. 70% of the population of Gaza are refugees from the land that is now Israel or the children and descendants of refugees yeah. from the land that's now the Israeli mm -hmm. state. That has to be the starting point here. Mm -hmm. When we talk about you know, people breaking out of Gaza and yeah. you know, waging violence, and some, you know, I mean, violence is inherently, you know, let's not, let's not pretend, violence is inherently repugnant. Oh, violence yeah. is inherently a terrible thing. Mm -hmm. 
But there are situations where we say that, you know, violence is understandable or justified. I'm not saying that was what happened on October 7th, although there are plenty of people who are saying that every act of Israeli violence since is justified by what happened on October 7th. I'm not actually interested in, in uh, condoning or justifying what, what happened on October 7th, nor am I interested in condemning it, mm-hmm. because I'm a Canadian citizen. My government has spent the better part of the last 70 years supporting the destruction of the Palestinian nation, mm-hmm. arming Israel, voting with it at the United Nations, backing Israel publicly, mm-hmm. attacking pro-Palestinian protesters in this country, suppressing them, accusing mm-hmm. them of anti-Semitism. My government is complicit. That makes me and my the citizens of this country, in a sense, complicit. Mm-hmm. It's not my place to criticize the way that the Palestinians... I mean, the Palestinian people are fighting for their liberation. For their lives. They have been fighting... Yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. that is a situation where you just cannot breathe. You know, it's it's a it's a foot on your neck for mm-hmm. seventy five years, and you know all manner of of inhumanity and and violence has been inflicted upon them over the years. I mean, in twenty last year up until October seventh, mm-hmm. that year alone, there had been some two hundred and thirty Palestinians killed by Israeli soldiers and settlers. Mm-hmm. Just that's just the normal course of things, and there was no outcry in the Western media. No, Didn't hear a thing. not you know nothing. But for Palestinians, of course, they're mm-hmm. thinking, well, this is you know. So they're not cons- they don't they don't actually care mm-hmm. what the rest of the world thinks about the way that they conduct their liberation struggle. And I'm not going to step in and say, you know, Palestinians have the right to condemn. Palestinians yeah. have the right to decide if this action on October seventh was was justified or not. Mm-hmm. If this was something they want to do, it came at you know. Of course, they know it comes at extreme costs. Yeah. The, the, I think that. You know, I think that everyone is surprised by the extent of Israel's response, mm-hmm. that it's done this much. But of course, you know, when they were planning that, they must have known there was going to be some Israeli yeah. response. And maybe, you know, that's for the Palestinians to decide yeah. if that was a, a worthwhile endeavor, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, that's, that's for them. It's mm-hmm. not for us here sitting in the heart of empire that has backed Israel to yeah. the hilt to say, oh, well, we condemn Hamas. And then because, well, what does it mean to condemn? What, mm-hmm. what it means is you're saying that something in Israel's response is justified here, mm-hmm. that there's something that is, is Israel actually defending itself against mm-hmm. a crime committed upon it by another people um, that is in no way justified, no way explained in the mm-hmm. context here. It's like you start the clock on October 7th. Yeah. Well, for the Palestinians, the clock doesn't start on October 7th. It starts in 1948. It starts in 1936, mm-hmm. right? It starts, it starts when their humanity starts to be, come under attack from the mm-hmm. Zionist project that from the very beginning was, must, must have dehumanized mm-hmm. them, had no choice but to dehumanize them, and has been doing so. And they've been under siege in Gaza for 17 years. Israel for years has been creating an inhospitable, inhospitable inhuman situation in Gaza. Mm-hmm. This is not something new. I mean, it's getting to a very extreme and acute point now. Yeah. But this has been their lived reality, mm-hmm. right? So what is the point of, of like, what, what is the point of this question about, like, October 7th? I mean, mm-hmm. you know, okay, I'm not saying I celebrate the death of anybody. Even the combatants. I mean, you know, I think, okay, I will say, I think there are some legitimate questions about what actually happened October 7th. Because there's been a lot of, Israel's made a lot of claims that it's had to walk back. I mean, we saw Joe Biden come out and say, I have seen the photos of beheaded babies, 40 beheaded babies on October 7th. And that's been totally walked back. That's a matter of public record. This isn't me, some conspiracy theory. This has totally been walked back. By the newspapers that reported it. Well, they've had to eat lots of crow. They have, yeah. yeah. You know, this um, Which this is what happens when of... you just believe a power without question. Right. Right? They well, have to eat some fucking crow when yeah. you start questioning. Yeah. 
So there's some questions here. You know, this yeah. allegation of systemic um, sexual assault or rape by mm -hmm. Hamas fighters. A lot of that, you know, they're also, I mean, Israeli media, one, one of the ironies of this, this political issue is that um, Israeli media tends to be a lot more honest about uh, uh, criticizing the Israeli government and its mm -hmm. narrative mm -hmm. than even the Western media will. Oh, you, okay. you will see things in yeah. the Israeli media that you don't even see here. And one of the things that's been coming up again and again in Israeli media recently is discussions about October 7th, you know, uh, poking holes in a lot of these allegations. Mm -hmm. So this, there was a really good report, I think it was in Ynet News, which sort of analyzed this allegation of uh, systemic, uh, systemic rape by Hamas uh, mm -hmm. fighters and was like, well, there actually isn't a whole lot of evidence of this. And, mm -hmm. you know, basically a lot of the evidence isn't there. I'm not saying there weren't atrocities committed on that but day. can I tell you what there is evidence of? <laughs> American on. forces in the Middle East raping, right. murdering. Mm -hmm. Right. There's evidence of it. People mm -hmm. were charged. Mm -hmm. Not enough people, of course. Right. But this is this is a question for me is like, I really um, I believe that it is it's, it's racism, obviously, at its very core. Right. Because like imagine if um, Israel was was uh, Islamic. Right. And they were browner. Yeah. yeah. America would not back them. Right. Yeah. They would not. And well, it depends. I mean, right. Saudi, Saudi, they've been willing to back in all enough. kinds of right. <laughs> horrendous yeah. stuff that it's committed in Yemen. I mean, my God. Yeah. But they wouldn't back him to the extent so openly, right? Mm -hmm. Like, say, this is my brother from Israel, like Joe Biden and all that bullshit. Yeah. And, and same with our mm -hmm. dude, whatever he is. Um, <laughs> but their, their interactions are so telling, right? Like, like when, when, the, when uh, the Ukraine was invaded. Mm. Oh, my, you could not get oh, a yeah. Canadian to stop talking about how absolutely horrible it was that you, Ukraine was invaded. And then people were like, hey, why, why aren't you talking about it? I'm like, look, I don't want anyone to die. I don't think it's good. I don't think it's right for anyone to be invaded. I don't think that's right. I get that's a part of our world. But I said, you know, like, what I've noticed over the years is that people get really upset about it when it's white kids yeah, yeah. In, in North America. We don't get upset about brown kids. Absolutely. Right? Yeah. And, and I, I wish that wasn't true. It hurts my heart to say it. I get goosebumps saying it because I realize how true it is every time I say it, right? Yeah. Is that our culture here in North America is if as long as it's white kids, we can get up for it, right? Mm -hmm. But because of the system that we were raised in, and this is what I'm getting at, it's not just individuals anymore. It is a system that even the individuals within the system cannot see that it's racist, right? Because they've been convinced that it's not, you know, even here in the police service. Right? There's people that think the system isn't racist, and they're, they're brilliant humans outside of that. Right? Yeah. But because they're inside the, the service, even when I was inside, you can't see it. And I wasn't even indoctrinated into it. Yeah. Right? Like I, wasn't, I didn't go through the academy and all their bullshit dogma to teach you how to be like the proper cop so you could have three divorces and fucking abuse people on the street and all that kind of shit. I didn't go through that. <laughs> but I did have to like sit around people who did. Right, and you realize just how how ingrained are. Even though, if you asked your random person what Zionism is, they wouldn't know. Right. right, right. But I've talked to people about it, and and to them, it's positive. It's like, well, a return to Zion, and I'm like, are you living in a fucking movie? Like, right. like you yeah. have got to be kidding me. Yeah. Um, but that's the thing. When we're inside the systems, we we become blind to it, right? Because mm -hmm. it's almost like a if we're not blindly obedient, we, we will see the truth and we will leave, Yeah. right? And, and that's, that's what we did here. We left some systems because we were like, we're trying to affect change within those systems, but those systems aren't changing. Those systems want to be themselves, right? Mm -hmm. Like, 
No, nobody wants to give up power, apparently. You know? No. Yeah, no, especially don't. those who have it. No, of course. <laughs> and, you know, they rely on people's compliance as mm -hmm. well. And these, you know, this propaganda, these sort of racist ideologies, yeah. you know, subtle, you know, they're more effective when people don't realize that's what it is, mm -hmm. right? And, you know, people in this country, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm in two minds about it because on mm -hmm. one hand, like, I think people in this country really do benefit from colonialism in a way. Well, I mean, of course we do. Going yeah. to a mall and you know, yeah. going to any sort of clothing department store mm -hmm. and you know, see how long it takes you to find anything that you could say for sure wasn't made in a sweatshop. Mm -hmm. You know, it's a challenge for you. Yeah, find something luck. that you can say wasn't made. <laughs> you know, go go find some. You know, buy some food in a mall. See how long it takes you to find something that you can say for sure. This wasn't harvested by people mm -hmm. living in basically slave-like conditions, mm -hmm. paid cents on the hour in some in some country yeah. that's been you know demolished by colonialism mm -hmm. or imperialism. You know, well, I'm part of it, right? Oh, well, I'm you, part of that. You can't problem. avoid it. Yeah. You can't avoid it. It's the only way. How do you live in these kinds of countries? Yeah. Our entire lifestyle is yeah. propped up by the exploitation of the rest of the world. Mm -hmm. On the other hand, I mean, it also, I mean, it sucks here. <laughs> it also sucks. I mean, you walk down the street, you can't walk more than a few blocks in any city center in mm -hmm. any country in basically the capitalist world without encountering just a sea of homeless people mm -hmm. and, you know, drug addiction and destroyed mm -hmm. communities and human misery. I mean, that's not something, that's not great. And people, I think, are starting to wake up to that. There's, mm -hmm. you know, even people who aren't, you know, critically looking at these questions of colonialism mm -hmm. and racism, I, I'm getting the feeling that people are really starting to get a sense that something is wrong. Yeah. Something is wrong with the system. Yeah. And, um, and it, it's an inhuman, degrading system. Mm -hmm. And I think that, you know, one of the, the risks of that is that then you have figures like Donald Trump and, mm -hmm. you know, these far-right sort of neo-Nazi characters who... Tucker shitface or whatever. Yeah, 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 you know, who turn around and say, well, yes, things are very bad. Mm -hmm. And the, the cause of that is immigrants and Muslims and feminists and queer people and liberals mm -hmm. and, you know, and just distract people from the real question, mm -hmm. from the real issues, and end yeah. up getting this, you know, sort of populist like yeah. hate-filled, very dangerous ideology mm -hmm. that rouses a lot of people who are angry about the system and who are convinced that, you know, someone, that their, you know, black neighbor or their mm -hmm. Muslim neighbor is to blame rather than, you know, the, the, the real structures of power. And, yeah. and so, you know, that's, that's dangerous. But I get the sense people are starting to realize it. And, I, I hope yeah. so. Right, and I know like 25 years ago when I first started as a social worker, I started downtown working in a shelter and I can tell you honestly in 25 years, it's it's only gotten worse. Yeah, It hasn't gotten better. And yeah. what we knew back then was poverty is the fucking problem. Like, and of course in the last 25 years, what also has come out of poverty is the addiction, the mental health, the um, housing costs, all those different things that affect people yeah. being unhoused and having to stay in poverty, right? But what we've always known is that's the main problem mm -hmm. is because first of all, poverty is a barrier when it comes to getting clean from drugs. If mm -hmm. you're like, it's really hard to get clean while you're on the street and unhoused, right? And stay clean, right? You can do certain stopgap things, but we've also ignored the fact that these folks that are on, that are unhoused and wrapped up in mental health difficulties, drug addiction, whatever it is, right? Um, poverty and their, their, Place in life has always been a, a factor to that, right? And it will always be a could be a barrier to getting well, right? Because we mm -hmm. live in in North America and us in Alberta, where if you're not doing it our way, we don't care if you get well, 
Yep. <laughs> That's our government's yeah. model, right? Is if you're not using the, the services we put out for you, uh, that's your own fault, and we don't really mind if you die, right? And that's what the UCP government has basically said, right? Yeah. By taking away all the safe consumption stuff. Um, and don't get me wrong, I know that's another tangent of like another topic, but this is the point. I think when you and I first sat down, it's that once you realize that there's so many people that aren't free, that that's where you start to realize we're all connected in that respect, whether it's because I'm a queer man, right? That I, I can experience, I can remember experiencing obviously um, shameful prejudice and, and bigotry, um, even as recently as last week, right? Um, mm -hmm. And I am almost 50. And it came from a person who used to be, a, who used to claim to want to help me stay sober. And this person like insulted me. And brought my my dad who passed away last year into it, and it, it's so to me. This is that that deep sickness we have in North America, I, and I'm saying U.S. and Canada because I've spent enough time in both to kind of put together an idea, right? Obviously, I don't know everything about it, but it's like that when this person in a program, and this person's considered like an old timer, that's what they call them, right? Mm -hmm. um, is an old timer, person who's been around for a long time in that program, um, and the the what first I was shocked when I saw the message. Secondly, I was like really deeply hurt, right? Because I was like, oh, I never really thought this guy would say that to me. I kind of had a feeling he was a bigot, but I just didn't think he would say that. Um, uh, but he did, and so then I, I had to process that and be like, okay, like, what does that mean? Like this, you know? But it's that to a person, and I guarantee this person is is uh, is not and genocide kind of person. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how else to word that. Right, yeah. But so that's where it comes from, right? It comes from that deeply ingrained system, the system that that person was raised in here to believe that, first of all, indigenous people are less than, to believe that black people are less than, people of color are less than, to believe that homosexuals are less than, to believe that trans are less than, right? Like, and so, and we're seeing it now. Um, someone mentioned to me that down in the States, there like a bunch of states are following suit now with anti-trans stuff. And that yeah. it looks like it might come up here too. Yeah. Um, like our, our province might be just like a few months, maybe a year behind some of these states. Um, yeah. And that's terrifying to me, right? It is. Yeah. Uh, you know, and it, I don't want to take focus off of um, Palestine. No, I don't mean to do that. No, no. I, what I really want to do for our listeners is, is help um, just illustrate how these things are all connected, yeah. right? It, you know, so I keep saying it actually isn't tangential. Because, I know I mean, it feels is, like a tangent, but <laughs> no, no, it's not. You know, I, you know, I, I, I think like, you know, we we live in these societies that are so willing to tolerate mm -hmm. indignity against human beings, mm -hmm. that is willing to, you know, have people living on the streets as the as the cost of housing just goes up and up. Yep. Housing is inaccessible to people, mm -hmm. which is willing to throw people into just mountains of student debt for seeking an education, which yeah. is, you know deconstructing, uh, you know, dismantling the healthcare system and defunding mm -hmm. it so that, you know, you go to the emergency room and you're waiting hours and hours and mm -hmm. a lot of communities don't even have access, like real access to, yeah. you know, um, healthcare, uh, you know, all this poverty that the government is willing to tolerate. And then, and then are we really surprised that this government and this system and the people in this country are willing to tolerate Israel bombing hospitals yeah. and bombing homes? And bombing schools mm -hmm. and starving people—are we really that surprised? This this uh, the system, the society is built mm -hmm. upon enduring indignity and and trauma mm -hmm. inflicted on other people. Yeah, right. As long as it's not inflicted on us. 
Right. Yeah. We can accept it, right? You know, the thing is, it is, is trauma for the oppressor too, right? <laughs> That's know. the thing. I mean, like this fellow, you know, I, I don't know what his life journey is, right? Mm -hmm. And it reminds me of this American lawyer in Panama who gunned mm -hmm. down these people. I mean, I don't know what these people, but like yeah. these are human beings and I'm looking at them and yeah. I'm like, you know what? Like, is this what it, is this what privilege looks like? Is this? I don't want that kind of privilege. That is nope. that is that what freedom looks like? Is that yeah. is that the kind of society system that we're trying to trying to fight for so that people yeah. can be like that? I mean, I think about Israelis in this sense. Mm -hmm. You know, this is why, I, like, you know, I don't celebrate the death of anyone, right? No. And on Nor October seventh, you know, yeah. uh, there were you know one of the things that like is is contested in the facts is like how many of the people that were killed were combatants. Mm -hmm. But like to me, this isn't like a moral question, right? This isn't like like I'm like I'm oh if they're combatants, then I therefore celebrate because they're legitimate targets under international law. You know, I think about what this what this uh, political issue in Palestine mm -hmm. means for the Israeli people. Like I think about that a lot. You know, the 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 trauma and the oppression and the you know the dehumanization of the Palestinians. Mm -hmm. I think is something that to, to people like us is quite. We see it and we talk about it a lot. It's quite. It's on the surface. You can mm -hmm. see it. You know, we, we know what it means when people are are forced to live in this horrendous way and dehumanized mm -hmm. and bombed and brutalized. Right. I think there's an element of this question though that is like there's an element of the the trauma and the dehumanization that is unique to the Israeli experience. Mm -hmm. And I, I'll tell you what I mean by this. Like, you know, Israelis. Like, if you know Abby Martin, she's a, she's like a, a journalist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She did a piece some years ago where she went uh, to Israel and she was going around the streets of mm -hmm. Israel um, just asking people, like, what they thought about Arabs. Mm -hmm. And the responses she was getting were just obscene. People would be like, yeah, it's okay for us to kill the Arabs. We have to wipe yeah. them out. They don't belong here. This is our land. We want it fair and square. And they need mm -hmm. to learn to live with their, like, subjugation. And we're just, it's okay to just kill them. We want to kill Arabs, basically. Mm -hmm. Horrendous stuff, right? Mm -hmm. And like that is a there is a dehumanization of the self there. You know, oh, yeah. it's like you look at, you know, there was a few weeks ago this um, the Israeli government released a music video with young children, Israeli children, singing a song of like I don't know, like a war song, like over images of Gaza, and singing of like we will destroy the enemies, like school children, mm -hmm. right? And this is what like is taught to people in Israel from a very young age. It's dehumanizing. Yeah. And then and then you like you you teach them this when they're young. And then as soon as they come of age, you give them a gun and a uniform and you send them to be guards over basically a concentration camp in Gaza. And you tell them who the enemy is. Yeah. yeah. And you have them look at these people like they're animals mm -hmm. with you know through the through the lens of a sniper rifle. And then at some point some of those people break out and and kill kill some of these soldiers. Mm -hmm. That is a that is a tragedy. That is mm -hmm. a tragedy that everyone, everyone, no matter where you stand, mm -hmm. should be incensed by and mm -hmm. horrified by the entire thing. We and we should also, at the same time, we're horrified by those deaths. We should also be horrified. There's people in a concentration camp trying to mm -hmm. get out, right? Absolutely. How is it we miss the one horrification, right? Like yeah. where we're like, oh, but why were they trying to escape? Absolutely. If yeah. only they just do what they're told. Right. This yeah. sounds familiar. Yeah, to yeah. To our indigenous population well, here in victim Canada. Blaming, victim blaming right. left and right, right? Yeah. And they do this on every issue, you know. Yeah. You know, I used to work in criminal law. Um, mm -hmm. I'm, I'm a lawyer. I'm qualified in England and Wales. Oh, okay, and right on. When I was qualifying, I was working in criminal and extradition defense. So mm -hmm. all, you know, like legal aid as well. So like you're, yeah. you're dealing with like the people at the very bottom 
of the, the system. The people who are honestly like... The worst, worst spot to be in. And those, it is, yeah. you know. And, you know, you get a lot of these sort of middle-class attitudes mm -hmm. that you tell them, oh, I'm a criminal defense lawyer. And they're like, oh, you're a criminal defense lawyer. You defend criminals. How do you live with yourself? And I'm just like, how do you live with yourself if this is your attitude towards people <laughs> who are living in the... Like, what do you think these people are... Like, when you, when you end up in the criminal justice system, you are already, like... Every person, every client I ever had, like you just scratch a little bit beneath the surface and their life is just drama. Because they're humans, they've been right? Through, yeah. yeah. And they've been through the, like they tend to be people who've been through like the most horrendous mm -hmm. stuff you can't even imagine, right? And then they end up like, is it a surprise that they end up, you know, in the system? Breaking you know? the law, yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you grow, you grow up in poverty and then they end up, you know, committing a crime mm -hmm. of survival, right? Or they grew up in trauma and you know their Which mental is, health causes them yeah. to do things and then the system treats them with no no compassion at all. No dignity. You know, I had to I had to step away from it to be honest, because like it was just mm -hmm. the system was so barbaric to people. I never felt like I was actually able to help these people because you just go in front of a, a an old white judge and beg them, please show a little bit of humanity here, and the judge tells you, Well, the law says this, this, and this, and the law says if you've done this, then this happens to you, and so there's that's that's it. There's and no and we only use our, our, our um, discretion if we think the person's willing enough. And by willing, we right, mean right. white enough. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, you know. Sorry, I have to introduce that because in North America, our criminal system is, our criminal justice system is 100% against brown. Like yeah. 100%. Oh, of course. No yeah. question. Yeah. yeah. And hey, I mean, they have, they have a system to maintain. Yep. They have a white supremacist system to maintain. Yeah, and that's the only you know. way to do it. Yeah. It's right. true. It's it's so fucking tragic, in a sense, but... they're, it's like, you know, they're not, I mean, they're not wrong strategically to do it. They have mm -hmm. a system to maintain. Yeah. The system is built upon the breaking and the dehumanization of yeah. brown and black bodies mm -hmm. here and internationally. Yeah, I I'm starting to realize that it's not just North America, right? Like mm -hmm. that there's like colonized countries or uncol whatever you want to call them around the world that feel the same way as we do, oh, right? Yeah. Which is... And, and that to me is shocking still, right? Like at this time in human evolution. But again, maybe we're not as far along as we think. And <laughs> maybe we just need another Dark Ages or something to get us through to oh, the next. God, to I a, hope not. Right? Well, I, hope I mean, not. shit, like, what, what is, is this? this? Yeah, I was right? say yeah. the same thing. Yeah, yeah this is kind of like, feels like a Dark Age, yeah. to be honest. Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, I'm shocked. I mean, I, I'm seeing the genocide that's taking place in Gaza right now. As somebody who has been active on this issue, and mm -hmm. like for a long time, I, I've seen horrors that I thought I would never see again. Mm -hmm. Like Gaza, this is not the first time Israel has bombed the hell out of Gaza. No, it's not. 2008, there was Operation Cast Lead. They killed 1,300 people in mm -hmm. a few weeks. They killed, it was about 300 children. In, um, it was 2014, I think, that there, I mean, there were so many bombing campaigns, you lose track. But uh, I'm going to, yeah, I was going to say, I yeah. couldn't even keep track of them. Yeah. There was, uh, I think it was 2014, um, when they killed another 2,200 Palestinians mm -hmm. in Gaza. Just, it was same like this, where the Western media we don't hear shit about made it. excuses for it. Western government supported it. Yeah. It would have been like, our headline would have been one short headline, like, response to terror. Yeah, Israel's yeah, response to terror. Yeah, yeah. that's it. You know, yeah. Oh, Hamas fired some rockets, and we talk about that. And Palestinian yeah. children die, whereas Israelis get killed, right? Yeah. All yeah. of these ways that this is manufactured and yes. sold to people in the West to make it palatable mm. to them. Well, it's how we sell our own stuff to ourselves, no, of course, right? Yeah. It's how we sell, it's the same way we sell the, like, the, the treatment of indigenous population. The same mm -hmm. way we sell it. Same mm -hmm. way we sell it, the treatment of, of how we treat immigrants from different countries, right? Like it always depends on where you come from. Yeah. 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 Like if you're from a white country, yeah, come on in. Of course. Yeah. <laughs> come on in, man. Yeah. Yeah. Which I get it, like you said, 
it's kind of the fucking blueprint, right? Like it's kind of the blueprint to how, how a colony will keep its power, right? Like, um, yeah, if it was up to me, like I have no respect for the crown, man. This, this stuff, like, of course, like seriously, the crown, like maybe it's because I'm an American. So I was, I was kind of raised to hate the crown, (laughs) but then you grow up realizing that your president's just another king. He's just another king dude shit, right? Like, yeah. So, you know, we're, uh, none of this is new in a sense, but then, yeah. I'm also I'm I'm shocked by the, this this like you it's know shocking. in those early weeks you know after watching October seventh I did have a sense that like man what could this mean for the people of Gaza yeah. like like okay like whatever you think about the events of that day like mm-hmm. this is gonna have an immense catastrophic you know we know what Israel does in this yeah. kind of situation they they go out to murder on mass well and they this could be that. the end of Palestinian people well right? Palestine I mean, anyway we'll see uh, you know I I I I, I hope. You know, I, I'm I'm a little more optimistic than that. I mean, you know, they have already killed thirty thousand people. They are certainly trying to make this the end of Gaza, yeah. they, and they have largely succeeded, I would say. Um, but I also feel that, like, okay, I mean, there is a a small, like, very thin silver lining here, mm-hmm. which is that I don't think Israel is going to be able to maintain itself at this point. Yeah, because like. The, the mask has been ripped off. Mm-hmm. Like, the world has seen this. And, uh, you know, yeah. we've seen movements around the world. I, you know, I, I don't have this. I'm not, you know, I'm not old enough to remember. And I don't have the sort of, like, historical acumen to say, like, for sure if this is, like, where this compares to, like, the Vietnam movement mm-hmm. or the Iraq movement. But I look at the scale of movements around the world and how long they've been going on mm-hmm. and the millions that have been marching for week after week. And yeah. I just... I think this might be the biggest global social movement, protest movement it we've ever seen. It feels pretty good. It feels pretty big. Yeah, like I, I'm not—I don't know if that's an exaggeration, but it does feel, in yeah. terms of the global scale, the frequency of actions, mm-hmm. the number of people coming out. Yeah. This might be the biggest protest movement globally we've ever had in in like modern history, right? I, I believe so. Um, yeah. And you know, those people are not going to go away. They're not going to no. forget. And like this genocide is also being televised yeah. it's being like broadcast live um yeah. and people are seeing it and this is an entire generation of people mm-hmm. who are getting an, an education on not just what's going on mm-hmm. in palestine but on the real real values that lie at the heart of western imperialism and how well, palestine's even possible to happen yeah, yeah yeah and just looking i mean just was it today or yesterday that the united states cast a vote against another ceasefire. The third time in a row that the United States has vetoed a ceasefire resolution at the United Nations. Of course. You know, and this image, and they're the only one, because like every other nation in the United Nations Security Council, out of 15 countries, 13 voted in favor of a ceasefire resolution, one abstained, the United Kingdom abstained, and the United States, the sole hand going up, Mm. the sole, that image of the sole, the single hand going up from the United States, vetoing a ceasefire resolution three times mm-hmm. three because the united states has a veto at the security council yeah. any any vote no matter how much of a majority it gets the united states can veto it any any permanent member at the security council of course can. They can. and yeah well they wouldn't they wouldn't permit the system to exist <laughs> if they couldn't, didn't have that ability right? if it wasn't for that yeah. caveat there'd be no un yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, and that that image that image of the u.s casting the single vote to continue and perpetuate a genocide now mm-hmm. four and a half months in people are not going to forget that americans are not going to forget that uh, well, they're, the they're, they know it. Like, I've seen some of the biggest protests are down south, right? Like, oh, yeah. shutting down freeways, like, down in L.A. Like, that, to me, that's where, you, when you're talking about this big global thing, I believe you're right. 
-hmm. Like I believe, and it's only going to get bigger. I believe the more we see that one hand from the U.S. No, we like war. We're good with war. We're good with genocide. Yeah, that's us. We're the good guys, right? Like, how are we going to ever look at them like good guys again? Right? Like, and, and from. You know, and we never should have to begin with. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that they were good at any point. I'm saying like we we went from South America and Central America to the Middle East, right? And so we have these two places where it's historically known, factually known, that the U.S. has had hands in assassinations in both places, Middle East, South America, and sorry, all three places, right? Assassinations, coups, like all these different things that the U.S. has notoriously done, but yet still they're allowed to put their hand up in the U.N. Yeah. and say, yeah, you know what? We just like war. Yeah. Like, that's what we do, war and football. Don't right. you know us? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, it's sickening yeah. to me, though. Yeah. Like, and, and probably that person who puts the hand up, everyone thinks, wow, man, that dude's rad in the U.S., right? Mm. Like, that dude's got balls standing up against, <laughs> the, against that terrible U.N. <laughs> yeah, well, there are some people who think that, for sure. I, I think what's what fucking joke. Sorry. Yeah. No, it is. It's obscene. It's absurd. It's obscene. And yeah. and you know what? What also gives me hope is that actually some Americans are starting to wake up to this. Yeah. Right. There's the protest movements yeah. and the young folks for sure. But mm-hmm. like just in general, like you know, there there has been a majority of people in the U.S. from both Democrats and Republicans mm-hmm. who have been saying, like polls have shown, have been in support of a ceasefire for mm-hmm. a long time. The U.S. government. Is not enacting the will of their own people. Neither is the Canadian on government. This. No, yeah. Yeah. yeah, and a lot of Western governments aren't. And so, yeah. you know, this notion that we live in the truly democratic world, mm-hmm. the democratic, civilized world, and democratic values. I mean, we we know that's a lie already yeah. because for us, you know, we've seen what U.S. Uh, democratic values have actually mm-hmm. meant. The United States dropped, uh, you know, several hundred thousand tons of democratic values on Iraq and Libya mm-hmm. and uh, Afghanistan. Yeah, and with every kind yeah. of pre- president, too. Yeah, yeah. It yeah. makes no difference, makes Democrat no difference. or Republican, yeah. right? So we know the, the lie, but I think mm-hmm. now a lot of other people are starting to see it. And it's yeah. compounding with you know, no solution to the housing crisis, no mm-hmm. solution to the, you know, the the poverty that's running rampant across yeah. the Western world, the way that, you know, the banks are bailed out every time the system crashes, the inhumanities that people were forced to suffer during the pandemic period mm-hmm. and the way the government left people out to dry and just, yeah. you know, it's all compounding and people are starting to see. And I yeah. think that, you know, I think that there is this movement building for real transformation. Um, and I think it's, you know, it's taking time and mm-hmm. it's coming up against these structures of power that really exist to maintain mm-hmm. the system against the democratic, the democratic yeah. will of the people, yeah. like the Calgary police here and like police forces across the U.S. and elsewhere. Would, yeah. would, you, be in, would you be interested in talking about your experience with the Calgary police here? Yeah, yeah? happy to, yeah. Okay, because yeah. I, I know, like, I only know a little bit about it. I know that sure. you were at a protest. Right, yeah. and that's that's where it began. Yeah, yeah, I'm happy yeah. to say. So this okay. was uh, in early November. Um, okay. It was uh, we've been leading protests every weekend since um, October seventh. Mm-hmm. So this would have been our fourth one, I think, um, on November fifth. Um, and uh, you know, we'd been we'd been out there for weeks, just sort of talking to the police. We were mm-hmm. still at City Hall, so there weren't any issues really yet around like where we're doing protests. Yeah. That's sort of come up recently, but back then it was you know we had a pretty you know we just communicated with police about what we were doing, where mm-hmm. we were going to be. That day we showed up for that protest on November 5th, um, and the police approached us and said, uh, our um, hate crimes unit is looking at potentially defining the chant from the river to the sea, Palestine will be free, 
as anti-Semitic hate speech. Get out They're of looking here. at it. Yeah. Now this chant, you know, for those who don't know, from the river to the sea, Palestine will be free. This is a chant that has been uh, so said for is, decades. Yeah. This is yeah. the CPS's hate crime unit. Yeah, yeah. One of their experts. <laughs> okay. You know, they're their guy who's like this is the hate crime. One of their guy. experts who studied in Cambridge from an oh, English yeah. colonizer expert. Okay, oh, gotcha. I wouldn't even. I don't even know if he's got those studied? kinds of credentials. You I, know, I'm I mean, just making that up. No, no. Yeah. Sure. Um, <laughs> and so, like this, this chant has been used for decades. And yeah. you know, I, I will, I will come back to the chant because I think you know it does raise some political questions about mm -hmm. what it means. But you know, the chant is from the river to the sea, Palestine will be free. Yeah. Um, and they told us this chant is being looked at as potentially hate speech. Um, and then we asked them on that day. So we said, uh, are there going to be any arrests today um, because of this chant? And they said no. None today, yeah. but possibly in the future. Mm -hmm. um, and we had actually said, like, let's arrange a meeting for us to talk with this hate crimes expert mm -hmm. and explain to him why this should not be the case. But we were promised no, no arrest that day. Mm -hmm. So I was emceeing the protests, you know, I've been emceeing them. And I, I went up and I said, uh, I, t I informed the crowd. I said, so here's what's happened. We've had this conversation with police. They've mm -hmm. told us they might be looking into calling this hate crime, hate speech. Um, but, you know, so people can join us if they want. But for, for, as far as I'm concerned, I have only one response, and I said, from the river to the sea, Palestine will be free, and led people in the chants, mm -hmm. and they, they chanted along with us, and, you know, so we, you know, we took a strong position that we're not going to be, we're not going to be, you know, yep. uh, uh, scared, or, uh, scared yeah. off of this, this phrase, you know, we have yep. to defend the, our ability to say that kind of thing, and, um, and then after the protest, uh, thought everything was fine, I was going home with my family, we were uh, on the, the train platform at City Hall, about four or five Officers came by on bikes, approached me and said, you're under arrest for uh, breach of the peace. While you're with your family? Uh, uh, I, uh, you know, I, li I live with my parents right now, and uh, my mom and dad and sister were... Oh, that's um, your family? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they were there with you? Yeah, yeah. Okay, good. And so they, you know, they joined, and, you know, we go to the protest together and go back together. And, yeah. Um, and so they, um, they, you know, they were obviously horrified watching this. Mm -hmm. Well, I think it was more traumatic for them than for me to well, That's honest. what I was thinking. I'm like, your yeah. family must have just been like, what the heck? Yeah, like, uh, they were shocked. And, yeah. you know, I could tell, you know, they get shaken up and stuff. But um, so they, you know, cops put me in handcuffs. I didn't say anything. Um, it's good practice. Yes. Don't say nothing to the police. Ah, let's let's repeat that for folks out there. In oh, yes. Ever yes. You say nothing. No comment. All no you comments. have to say is no comment, yeah. lawyer. Yep, basically. Um, so... So they then walked me down, did like a perp walk all the way down mm -hmm. City Hall, a train platform and uh, police vans waiting on the other end. I get in the van, they take me over to, I think it was District 1 um, police station, book me. Um, and I was there for like a couple hours, I think, just kind of waiting and yeah. talking to a lawyer and stuff. And um, then one of the officers came in to kind of do the paperwork and I saw the actual charge on the sheet, which was... Uh, Chanting offensive anti-Semitic comments, um, breaching the peace by chanting offensive anti-Semitic. So breaching the peace with like a hate crime mm -hmm. element to it. Well, they're reaching for that hate crime, that's for sure. Uh, they were, and yeah. they didn't, you know, they didn't say it on the sheet. But I asked the officer, I was like, what was the comment? Mm -hmm. And he said the comment was from the river to the sea, Palestine will be free. And I asked him anything else? And he said, no, nope, that's it. So, I mean, just blatantly, that phrase got me arrested, basically. And, you know, and after they had basically entrapped you into it. Well, they had given the promise, you know, yeah, we had been expecting if this mm -hmm. arrest was going to come, it wouldn't be that week. We were given an, an explicit promise, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, but anyway, they arrested. Yeah. Not that it would have been okay the following week either. No, but, you know, it, either like, way. So, so there I was. And, and, but uh, it's entrapment when I tell you it's okay to do it today, right, just not right. again. 
and then when the person does it, I can't arrest you. Like that's ridiculous. Right. Of this course. whole thing yeah, is ridiculous. Yeah. Sorry. yeah. You're gonna get uh, it to is that ridiculous. Part. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's absurd. And then you know makes me cringe. Yeah. Um so anyway, one of my bail conditions was uh, or release conditions was that I not attend any protests. Of course. Uh, if I'm at a protest and asked to leave, I leave immediately and that I not be in possession of any sound amplification devices or anything like that. And so, oh my God. So, you know, uh, the next week's protest, uh, the charges were still there, the conditions yeah. were still there and I, I didn't, um, you know, I didn't attend. I mm -hmm. had to not attend the protest. Um, uh, fortunately, I, I, I got some help from the uh, National Council of Canadian Muslims. They're a Excellent. good group that was able to provide me with a lawyer and okay. support and stuff. And uh, but after that, like like less than two weeks later, the charges were stayed, not not dropped, which I was quite disappointed by because mm -hmm. like staying the charges means like you know uh, the prosecution is deciding not to proceed, mm -hmm. but they're not declaring, they're not dropping them, they're not. They're like, not saying it wasn't a charge. Yeah. yeah. So even that little form of exoneration was denied to me. And, you know, I have to say, like, the Calgary Police's statement on this, first of all, they named me by name, legal name. I'd been using an activist pseudonym just to mm -hmm. sort of, you know, yeah. because, you know, for obvious reasons, people obvious. get worried about, like, yeah. being affiliated with this kind of stuff. Well, we have other activists punishment. in town who've been just fucked over over the last couple of years. Yes, right? yes, so, we know about that. Yeah, yeah, we've been in touch with... You're one of yeah. them now, right? Yeah, I guess so, so yeah. And, yeah. You know, they put out this statement when I was arrested saying... They didn't say what the phrase was. They just said anti-Semitic chant. And because then they that don't was carried to. by the media. That's yeah. all they have to do is say it was anti-Semitic. They don't have yeah. to explain what it was. They don't have to try to like um, justify why they're able to put that in print. Like This mm -hmm. is part of our problem with our media, right? Is there's a bunch yeah. of fucking ass clowns in charge like, yeah. that, that are allowing this to happen. Yeah, right? like, and there are some media outfits that, like, some of the outlets said what the phrase was when they yeah. reported it, but others wouldn't even say it. They wouldn't even mm -hmm. say from the river to the sea, and that's a pretty big omission because, like, that changes the whole story. If you tell, yeah. if you don't tell people, like, if you tell people it's from the river to the sea, then the story is, oh, this guy went and chanted from the river to the sea and was bafflingly arrested, mm -hmm. versus you don't tell people and you leave it to people's imagination, wow, this guy said something so anti-Semitic that he got arrested and even the media aren't willing to, yeah. to repeat it, right? So. Yeah. Anyway, that's, it's all like propaganda, yeah. man. Oh. It's it's so frustrating yeah. and like you clever know, shit. Yeah, and I I do want to say we have some. There are some decent journalists in Calgary who, oh, even if they work for some of these outlets, of they are are, yeah. are still like very honest in their reporting and go out of their way. And yeah, and I, I respect them, you know? I respect them for having to be careful, right? Like of I respect course, that. Yeah. I I don't. Uh, I'm not trying to say they're all one way, of course, but. I know that there's there's lots of people that care, and but also they care about their families, right? And, of course. And they're and, trying to find their way to help somehow, yeah. you know, and it might not be the same as you and I, right? Of course. Yeah. And, you know, this is the thing. The system has so many ways of keeping people yeah. in control, right? Yeah, because, it really does. you know, what are you going to do? You lose your job. That's like a death sentence for people, right? It is, especially yeah. now. Yeah. Like, you, you, I mean, if you have a decent job and you're able to make your ends meet and maybe have a little extra for your family and stuff... Yeah. It's a it's a pretty devastating idea to think you're going to lose that income. Yeah, you hold right? on to that for dear life because this system ain't going to look out for you if you don't. Oh, God, no. The right? system wants you unhoused and yeah. then eventually they want you dead. Yeah, like, yeah they don't in, care about if you're, you. Especially if you're not going to conform. Yeah, right? yeah, like, yeah. So, yeah. you know, so I don't, you know, I don't hold it against them. I'm a little bit annoyed at the executives of some of these places for, for keeping sure. this kind of stuff in place. But anyway, that's the media. We don't expect anything, anything particularly. <laughs> from them, but, that's uh, a good point. I've never expected them to answer my questions. So. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so anyway, that that was my experience with mm. the police, and you know, um, it's it's frustrating on a lot of levels. Mm. I mean, 
I guess I'm, I'm glad that like, you know, it could have been somebody else from the crowd or somebody who, you know, they could have, you know, we know that these sorts of behaviors that they could pick on people that I'm glad it was me because like, you know, I'm, I'm sort of out there. I've got a lot of support. You know, I was yeah. the one leading it. I'd rather I take the fall than somebody else in the community and mm -hmm. I can, I can live with it. Um, and that's why you are who you are. Ah, well, you know, I try. Um, yeah, but you're able to do that, right? Like, and, mm -hmm. and that's, uh, that's honorable. It's because uh, not of all of us yeah. can afford that, right? Can afford to be that yeah. person. And, you know, same with my other friends who have been through this with the, with the cops here over the last couple of years. And it's just like, for when you're in the system, it's a no-win system, right? And, and it just reminds me of when I was a part of that system because I worked in law enforcement for a couple mm. of years. And this was a long time ago, like another life. Um, and I'm so like, again, I'm so like, I know I don't have to be, but I am. Like, I just, I'm shamed, shamed by some of the stuff I did that was legal and mm. part of the job. This is, and this is where people might be wondering, what does that mean? Well, it just means the day-to-day -day tasks of the job are, uh, are supportive of the white supremacist system yeah. and, and the capitalist system and all these different systems that have created these law enforcement pockets to protect itself, right? And when I first went to work there, I had no idea that's what I was doing. Like, yeah. I just thought, well, it's a really good job. Like, honestly, it's high paying, it's got benefits, it's got, yep. you know, it's got security, <laughs> it's got all those yeah. things that probably lots of people go to those jobs for. Um, and it, it makes sense because people want to live, right? Yeah. But then I was there for just a couple of years and I just couldn't do it, right? Because it's just like, um, every time I gave an unhoused person a ticket, it was like, what the fuck are we doing? Like, what are we doing? Like, or you give someone who, a ticket for 150 bucks and they can barely pay their rent. So now they can't pay their rent, right? So those are the things that started to occur to me as I was working in that field. And, and of course, like I hope people do this more and more. And I know I saw lots of people do it with the police service, like just bail out and say, this place is fucked, like absolutely fucked. So if you have people doing that, um, unfortunately, the way the system's built is the system blames the people for doing it, not the system. Yeah. As you, like we pointed out throughout yeah. this whole yeah. conversation, the system will remind you that it's not the system's problem, it's the person's problem, right. right? And even within our health system, we have groups that maintain that structure, right? Mm -hmm. That are not affiliated, supposedly not affiliated with government or churches, but they, they maintain the structure, right? Yeah. That mm -hmm. conform or take what we give you or you get nothing. Right, and that's what our government does to most of the people in Canada, like mm -hmm. especially if you're indigenous. Right, it's like you have no right to complain because we're giving you stuff. Yeah, I mean, we took everything from you, <laughs> and we're giving you chips right. back. Yeah. You should be grateful. Yeah, right. Yeah. Like, yeah, it's the same attitude applied to the Palestinians. I was going to say, you live under siege, you yeah. live under occupation, ethnically cleansed from your land, mm -hmm. but don't you dare, don't you dare try and fight back at all. Yeah, you must accept it. Because if you fight back, you're a terrorist. Yeah. Right? There's no... Yeah. yeah. When, sorry, go ahead. Well, uh, that's when the violence starts. Yeah. Violence is... They don't consider the structural violence nope. to be part of the violence and this to be a response. No. You pick up arms and you fight yeah. back against your occupier. You know, that's that's where the crime starts. Not, that's the violence. Not the crime... Of, yeah, not the structural violence of occupation. Mm -hmm. Not the crime of apartheid for, mm -hmm. for decades. Yeah. No. The, the clock starts when the oppressed stand up and do something that the oppressor has said you're not allowed to do. It's like the land and water defenders oh, across yeah. North America, right? Yeah, yeah. And these, these military police forces will absolutely steamroll them yeah. because they've always been able to and nobody does anything. That's why they keep doing it, right? And, and it's just absurd. But it's, it's, yeah. it's so local, localized here. And that's why I like, like a, it really is important to me to connect those things, right? Because 
the more we can see that we are not as good at well off as we, as we think we are here. Now, don't get me wrong. There is a portion of our population that's incredibly well off, mm. okay? And that would be like <laughs> people who are more skin tone towards me, right? Yeah. Who have been established, have established families in Canada and mm -hmm. people don't even question them, right? Mm -hmm. They say, oh, you can't cancel history. Look, no one's trying to cancel <laughs> history, man. We're just trying to look at it more holistically yeah. as opposed to from this, this like, Pollyanna viewpoint that the Canadian government gives us about ourselves. Oh, Canada, we're yeah. so gracious. Really? Gracious, yeah, are we? Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Well, <laughs> and, that's and we are in some ways. Don't get me wrong. Like, there's so much beauty, too, here, right? But oh, yeah. part of that beauty, to me, is all of us. It's right. not one idea over another. It's all these ideas coming together, right? Yeah. Like, that, to me, is, is yeah. beautiful. It's you know? our whole humanity here. It's everyone. Yeah. Everyone. And you know, this comes back to what I was going to say about this, you know, this from the river to the sea thing mm. is that like, you know, Palestinians, as far as I'm aware, I mean, this, this d debate around this phrase from the river to the sea, mm -hmm. the, what people take issue with is that the river, the geography of Palestine, mm -hmm. when you say from the river to the sea, you're including the occupied Palestinian territories, but also what is now the state of Israel mm -hmm. that lies between the Jordan river and the Mediterranean sea. Mm -hmm. And so the accusation is when you say this, what you're calling for is the, is the wiping out of Israel and the wiping out of the Jewish people of Palestine. Interesting. That's, what, that's what's alleged, right? Yeah, that you're calling for the destruction of Israel, and with the destruction of Israel, you're calling for the ethnic cleansing of the Jews of that land. They either are forced to leave or driven into the sea or whatever. So that means, by if that's what the definition is, so essentially, that's what... Okay, I'm trying to articulate this because my brain's on fire. Um, it's like the from the river to the sea, Palestine will be free, right? So in order for Palestine to be free, because Zionism looks at it like in order for Zionism to be free, everything has to be wiped out. Therefore, in order for Palestinians to be free, they must be wiped out, which to me is absurd because the, it doesn't equal the same yeah. thing. It just means that's like saying if we were to um, free all of, like let... If we were to somehow reverse what we've done to indigenous population here, um, but we don't do it because it's against colonialism, right? Like, right. Yeah. But if and, and it's just so interesting. If those people are free, that doesn't mean the rest of us are hostages. Like, and this is where right. we're where a lot of North America has this disconnection, right? It's like just because one group wants to be free, let's just use trans. We we want freedom for trans people, right? And if we want freedom for trans people, what does that mean for straight people? Well, absolutely nothing, actually, right? Like, and that's the point. Right, yeah. It means nothing to you. And so it doesn't mean that the, the trans people are all of a sudden going to, like, create camps for straight people and put straight people, right? right? Like, yeah. that's not, this doesn't yeah. equal, one doesn't equal the other. Freedom equals freedom. Yeah. And then, obviously, in order for Palestine to be free, there has to be a restructuring between Israel and whoever else is involved, right? Right. Yeah. I, I, but I just I don't want to see well, the, I don't see the connection. But I don't want to see the connection. Right? No, so, no. You know, yeah. I, I, you know, it's you're correct. It, it ties. We see the same attitude here, right? Mm -hmm. It's this notion of uh, white genocide. You know, when as soon as you start talking about <laughs> racial equality and engaging <laughs> with the history of colonization, yeah. then suddenly, oh, white genocide, great replacement. They're trying to get rid of white people. Oh, you know, it's absurd. It, there's an old quote. Which Are we goes, really that sensitive? Oh, like, they are. Yeah, right? apparently hey, we, we are. are. And hey, we've <laughs> got a lot of privilege to defend. You know, it's I true. Mean, That's you know, the point. You know, I think. There's a there's yeah. an old quote that says, uh, "To the privileged, equality feels like oppression." 
right? Yeah. That's a great quote. And it that summarizes this, right? And, yeah. you know, like, there is a sense here where I think, okay, I think, like, the rich, for example, like, the yep. really ultra-rich, yep. like, they have more than they could ever need. But I think mm -hmm. they have a genuine fear that some of that might be taken away to fund housing and healthcare yep. and all this. And Because you know, where else are they going to take it from? Right, yeah. And, yep. like, they've got trillions stored in illegal mm -hmm. tax havens that already should have been, you know, like, mm -hmm. like this. But this kind of thing is, is threatening to them because, yep. hey, I want, you know, they're like... And I mean, they have more money. Like, some of the ultra-rich have more money than you can even imagine. I mean, multi-billionaires. Like, what do you need that kind of money for? You know, if you have more than... I mean, a million dollars seems like a good amount to me. Like, mm -hmm. I, I think that if I were to, like, that would be good. Most I think of I'd us be, would able be able to, get to by, live off that. Yeah. Right? But, like, you know, these people with just obscene levels of wealth, mm -hmm. they're just like dragons, like mythical dragons mm -hmm. sitting on a hoard of gold while the rest oh of the God. world starves. What a metaphor. Right? Yeah. And, and, you know, like, and, and for what? You know, and, and you have to also, like, you know, capitalism and race intertwine in this way where mm -hmm. capitalism, this system says, private property is, like, you cannot threaten it. Mm -hmm. It is, it must be upheld. Unless it's owned by other indigenous people. Right, right. Well, their property, you know, is uh, free for the taking, right? Because they don't count. But, oh but you know, property oh. must stay in the hands where it is. But yeah. here's the thing. We live in a, in a world that has been subject to colonialism. Mm -hmm. That is, for hundreds of years, we've had a process of wealth being moved out of the hands of brown and black people into the hands of white people. Mm -hmm. And now... We've had a sort of decolonization process, although mm -hmm. that's, you know, still very... Uh, it's all window dressing, yeah. I think, right now, yeah. Yeah, but then, you know, you have all of this wealth in mm. rich white hands that has been put there by historical injustice. And now we say what? We, we draw the line and we say now property stays where it is and people reject, you know, people refuse things like reparations and land back and... You know, so that anxiety is almost like justified in a sense because actually, you know, you do have some accounting to do here. Yep. I'm not saying you need to be thrust into poverty. Absolutely not. But, no. you know, there does need to be some equality here. Mm -hmm. If you live in this incredibly privileged position, you know, mm -hmm. It, like, how do we engage with that? Like, maybe mm -hmm. maybe you don't want, maybe that's not something you should be defending with violence against other people and seeing other people as, like, you know, it's like this old, if you watch these, like, old cowboy movies, mm -hmm. there's, like, a trope of, like, you know, the people in the, in the sort of, like, in-group, mm -hmm. the sort of white folks just living and then, like... Guiding you know, everyone. The savages just come to attack. <laughs> yeah. The Indians just come. Yeah. Out of nowhere. Yeah. They come out of the trees. And it's like, like the they were never there. Yeah. They just they appeared. There's no history here. Yeah. They're just, they just want to attack us. Yeah. And we just, you know, John Wayne gets his gun and boom. Yeah. And, you know, defends the, the white civilization mm -hmm. from these barbarians that just want to attack us. It's like you, that reinforcement of white supremacy with characters yeah. like John Wayne and Ronald Reagan mm -hmm. and those yeah. kind of characters. Absolutely. Yeah. You've erased yeah. the history. What what yeah. What is the history that has led us to this point mm -hmm. where you have land that used to belong to these people and now they're coming mm -hmm. and and trying to threaten you. And this is, back to Gaza, this is exactly mm -hmm. the thing. I mean, Israel has this image of Palestinians as like, oh, they're just violent savages that mm -hmm. want to destroy us and attack us for no reason. It's because mm -hmm. they're anti-Semitic. It's because they're violently anti-Jewish, because mm -hmm. they're Muslims. They're just violences in their culture. Mm -hmm. It's like, what do you... Like, this is, first, racist, but also, like, it's incredibly this is, racist. You, you've erased the history here. Yeah. These people have been erased. They've been ethnically cleansed from their mm -hmm. land. Every day you are doing unto them the things that you're accusing them of wanting to do. Mm -hmm. And we understand well, why you do it. Because they don't want them to do it. Because they well, think they will. Yeah. And they yeah. need to do it to maintain Zionism. Yeah. And this is the thing. This is what Zionism makes violence in that land inevitable, from both sides. Yeah. 
Palestinian violence in a situation of Zionism is inevitable. Mm -hmm. It's the inevitable violence of a colonized, oppressed, mm -hmm. dispossessed people fighting for their rights, for their freedom against mm -hmm. their occupier. Okay. Israeli violence is made inevitable by Zionism. It is the inevitable violence of an occupier that has dispossessed and ethnically cleansed another people, fighting back and suppressing the resistance of those people. Yeah. So as long as the Zionist project remains, I don't see that there can ever really be a peace in that land. And, you know, this is where this from the river to the sea thing comes in, because mm -hmm. it's like, well, what are you promoting then? If you're not promoting the wiping out of Jews from this land, which we're not, you know. Promoting freedom. You know, so what, it, what would it mean, right? And, you know, uh, I think a lot of people use a two-state solution framework and think this is, you know, this is all the Western governments, including Canada, it's like our official position is a two-state solution. Mm -hmm. In my view, two-state solution is dead. A lot of people now agree it's that narrow, it's dead. Yeah. It's narrow. I mean, first of all, it already presumes that the ethnic cleansing of the people from the land that's now Israel is just like a done deal. Mm -hmm. Right of return is not going to be a thing that happens. These yeah. millions of Palestinian refugees, 70% of the population of Gaza, never going to be allowed to, to return to their land. I mean, there's millions of Palestinians around the world who were ethnically cleansed from the land that is now Israel. You know, many of them here in Calgary. Mm -hmm. um, so the two-state solution already presumes that they will never be allowed to return, mm -hmm. no question of reparations, anything like that, right? Yeah. It's just sort of like a done deal. You've been conquered, you lost, we, we did it with violence, mm -hmm. and might makes right, so you live with it. But you'll have your state in the West Bank and mm -hmm. Gaza. I mean, if you look at a map, I mean, it would be the most ridiculous looking state ever, mm -hmm. West Bank and Gaza. And then, you know, are they gonna have free movement across Israel? More importantly, there are 700,000 Israeli settlers that have now been settled in the West Bank and East Jerusalem, which would be presumably land that would go to the Palestinians under yeah. two-state solution. And what are you gonna do with these people? You're gonna relocate 700,000 people to, no. are they gonna go? I mean, the settlers are some of the most like rabidly fundamentalist extremists, you know. Well, they got chosen for a reason to go there. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. You don't. I mean, you don't. You don't bring your like middle of the road folks to settle no. somewhere. No, you bring no. your zealots to yeah. settle. That's what they did in with England when they came over here. Uh, of course, yeah. It wasn't yeah. their like mild mannered humans that were yeah. settling. It was the worst of the fucking worst, yeah. right? Yeah. The ones that were willing to murder indiscriminately. Yeah. Yeah. And then even even if you do move these people back yeah. into Israel, what are they just gonna then accept? Take the take the loss. Of course not. I mean, you know, this one of the ironies of this river to the sea mm -hmm. thing is that like. If you look at the Likud Charter, the Charter of the Governing Party of Israel, mm -hmm. they they have no conception of a Palestinian state. For them, it's like greater Israel actually extends beyond the river to the mm -hmm. sea. There's parts of Lebanon, there's parts mm -hmm. of Egypt, there's parts of uh, Jordan that are included in this. I was going to say Jordan too. Yeah, yeah I mean, they have colonized part of Syria that they mm -hmm. took in the 1967 war. They've basically annexed that contrary to international law. So mm -hmm. like, there actually is an expansionist objective in the Zionist project too that goes even beyond the, the occupied Palestinian territory. Which is why America keeps putting their hand up. It's because right, America yeah. wants them to expand too. Yeah, right? and you know, it's... It's very dangerous for the region. It's yep. certainly not something that's going to create peace in the region. So what's the alternative then? If the two-state solution isn't the thing to, to go for, mm -hmm. well, a lot of people have been talking about a one-state solution. This is something put forward by a lot of Palestinian advocates. Mm -hmm. Historically, it was actually advocated all the way back at the partition plan. Like there okay. were Muslim and Arab countries that were coming out saying, this one Jewish state, one Arab state is not a good idea. Mm -hmm. Why don't we have one binational state shared by these two peoples? One person, one vote, democratic state, binational, shared by Arabs and Jews across mm -hmm. the whole of historic Palestine. That seems to me like a very sensible solution. Mm -hmm. Seems like a very human solution. It overcomes a lot of these issues. 
You know, again, the reason Israel, for example, can't allow the right of return for Palestinians is because of this demographic question. Mm -hmm. They must maintain a Jewish majority. And yes. if you allow millions of Palestinian refugees to return, uh, even the occupation is kind of propelled by this. Like, why mm -hmm. hasn't Israel just annexed the West Bank and Gaza? Mm -hmm. Because in order to do that, they need to annex the populations and grant them citizenship. And yeah. to do that would also threaten this Jewish majority of state. the state. Yeah. The problem is the Zionist obsession with mm -hmm. a Jewish majority in the land of Palestine, mm -hmm. which is, a, it's like, it's racist. It's ethnic engineering. It's, it's demographic engineering. It's enslavement yeah. of a whole people is what it, it is. Yeah. It forces you to dehumanize these people, mm -hmm. to expel them, and then to keep them out by force yeah. and to deny them their rights, their national rights, on top of all the discrimination mm -hmm. that happens to Palestinians living in Israel. There's like a yeah. small, you know, about one-fifth of the population of Israel are Palestinian. Mm -hmm. um, and like, you know, how do you... Like, how do you get over this? It's like, you have this, this solution that's been put on the table mm -hmm. by Palestinians, and they would accept it. Mm -hmm. To be honest, like, if Israel... But Israel turned it down, didn't they? Oh, Israel they has never out, seriously yeah. considered it. Yeah, they flat out... Israel just, has never... Yeah. You know, all of the negotiations were on the basis of a two-state solution. Mm -hmm. This one-state idea has been flatly rejected. Every, all, like, mm -hmm. it's never even really been seriously considered in negotiations. Well, because it would be in conflict with Zionism. And exactly. Right? Yeah. Uh, and frankly, peace in this region is in yeah. conflict. I mean, if, if Israel were to go to the Palestinians today, this is what makes this whole situation so absurd, mm -hmm. is that if Israel were to go to the Palestinians today and say, we will grant you your rights, we will abide by international law, we will grant you your national mm -hmm. rights, even if it was in a two-state solution framework, or in a, certainly in a one-state solution framework, and they were mm -hmm. saying, we'll let the refugees in, you know, we'll, if they were to go to the Palestinians, actually grant them their rights, yeah. the Palestinians would take their guns and throw them in the sea. Mm -hmm. They don't want this violence. Mm -hmm. They don't want this violence, but they have no choice because they can't breathe. Mm -hmm. they, they are being suffocated. They have, their rights have been denied. Mm -hmm. They live as refugees scattered across the region, scattered around the world mm -hmm. with no nation, no, no state, no, no, you know, they live under Israeli occupation. I mean, I've been to the West Bank. I've seen what, mm -hmm. it, what it looks like. I, I spent a couple months there many years back. Yeah. And, my God, the just daily indignities, the daily humiliations of what it means. I mean, you know, it's one thing for us here. Like, you know, I was, al I was always interested in Palestine, but mm -hmm. it's one thing to be here and watch a documentary or read a book and then yeah. you kind of put it away and yeah. you go back to your life. In Palestine, your life is occupation. You mm -hmm. wake up in the morning and it's like, am I going to be able to shower today? Mm -hmm. Has the occupation sh uh, shut off the water? Right, because they funnel all this water, they, they like uh, take a disproportionate amount of water to mm -hmm. the settlements and leave relatively little for the Palestinian areas and they can shut it off at will. And it's just like, am I going to be able, I'm, I, I need to go to, you know, I want to go visit Jerusalem today. Am I going to be able to, am I going to be stopped at a checkpoint and have to wait for hours? Mm -hmm. You know, am I going to be able to get to work today? Am I going to be stopped at a checkpoint? This is like daily life. Mm -hmm. And then on top of that, you know, the just indignities, you know, mm -hmm. the Israeli soldiers who again, raised on this extreme anti-Arab. Mm -hmm. We see these people as animals, as less than animals. Mm -hmm. And just just random acts of humiliation at checkpoints and in cities. Mm -hmm. and it's horrendous. Everyone you, everyone you meet in Palestine has a story that is like, you just think is like, wow, this should be like a headline around yeah. the world. And it's yeah. just everyone has it. Yeah. Being abused in prison, arrested when they were a child, mm -hmm. beaten up at a protest just got out of prison for nine years for like mm -hmm. throwing a rock. It's like, this is, this is absurd. Yeah. You know, and, and like, then you wonder like, okay, you know, Palestinian violence, mm -hmm. really? 
is this really what we're going to highlight as the source of conflict in yeah. Palestine? Is Palestinians fighting back? Mm-hmm. I mean, okay, I'm not going to say like, all right, October 7th, I'm not saying there weren't, you know, we yeah. talked about the sexual stuff. I'm not saying that didn't happen. If it happened, it's horrendous, mm-hmm. right? And I don't, you know, I'm not going to celebrate it or condone it. Of course. But like, is that really where we're going to, st- like, is that really what you're going to pinpoint as the source of, I mean, we just mm-hmm. got a report from, I forget which international body it was, talking about Palestinian prisoners. And they're mm-hmm. saying, there is evidence of routine uh, sexual abuse of Palestinian women in Israeli mm-hmm. prisons. I mean, that's that's like that's it's not something that's just started in the last five months. No, that has been their experience for seventy-five years, yeah. and and unfortunately, it's the experience of I believe almost any occupied country by another by a foreign invader, yep. right? Like mm-hmm. because, like we said, the the sex assault, the raping, that kind of stuff is not isolated to any one group of militant people. That's most militaries fall into that somehow. And I don't, I'm not Absolutely. saying why or anything like that. I'm just saying yeah. this has been historically proven that invading armies also plunder and do things to the population that they're not supposed to, right? Yeah. And, um, and so for us to, for, our, for media, for whoever, to pretend that this is an atrocity and an isolated atrocity, of course it's an atrocity. Like everything about it is an atrocity, but it's not isolated. Like, yeah. And that's what we have been told to believe, is that these are isolated to only, only those bad people do these things, right? Forgetting that we have countless examples in American military and Canadian military of internal rapes, sex assaults, um, murders, assaults, all those kinds of things internally. Yeah. And then when you put those folks in a foreign country and you tell them they have to fight these folks, well, they start to dehumanize them because that's how you get people to fight other people is yeah. you tell them they're not human. You say, no, they're not like us. They're not like us, right? Mm-hmm. Well, no, they're, they're not maybe, except for the fact that we're all humans and that makes them like us. Yeah. So we have to create these like terrible monsters like Saddam Hussein. And I know you mentioned that and I'm like, hey, I'm not saying the dude was okay. Mm-hmm. I have no idea, like to be honest, because of the propaganda, I don't claim to know. But what I do know is that when people were asking me if I wanted to watch the video of him hanging, yeah. I said, no, yeah. no fucking way. And they said, well, why not? And I'm like, let's just put that in perspective for a minute, okay? Mm-hmm. You're trying to get me excited about watching someone get hung. And I have to tell you that that's not exciting to me. That's disgusting. Yeah. Even though I know this person might be like a terrible person, they may have done atrocities to all kinds of humans, that may be very true, but I still don't want to see them killed. Okay, because we have proven in our world that racism creates more racism, murder creates more murder, violence creates more violence. That's all we've learned, but we still do it, right? And so to me, um, that's, that's the absurdity, right? Is yeah. that we know where racism is gonna get us. We know what's gonna happen. We're gonna hate each other and we're gonna fight, yeah. okay? Um, we also know the bigot, what's gonna happen with bigotry right? Any kind of bigotry. Um, someone is probably going to fight back, right? Like, and, and so, and again, I have no concept of how, how awful, only from what I've heard from yourself and other people who've told me about what it's really like for Palestinians in Gaza and in, in, in Palestine. And um, to me, I see all of us as humans, so that breaks my heart, right? Because it's, it's like, if there was no 1917 there would have been no october 7th right Right. if there was no none of this stuff going back over a over a hundred years and don't get me wrong i know it goes long back before that i'm just starting to read about it so um i am definitely ignorant 
but to all of maybe some of my counterparts here in North America, like, um, first of all, we do have responsibility, right, to, to share our distaste for this stuff. And it doesn't matter what um, occupation we're in. We have, an op we have an obligation, I believe. Like, I have an obligation. This is where um, not only do I have an obligation, but I believe it's the right thing. Um, not because of obligation, but because I'm a human, yeah. you know, um, and because you're a human. Mm -hmm. And obviously, you, you've been able to, um, unfortunately, experience some pretty shitty stuff, right? Like, and, and I'm assuming the last 24 years here in North America have been pretty fucking shitty, right, at times. Because, oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and I know that most of the folks in, in North America understand this now probably more than ever, mm -hmm. um, that, that we were lied to, right? Yeah. That we are being lied to, continuously lied to. Mm -hmm. We have been and we are continuously being lied to about the true nature of what's happening. Yeah. Just like you remember, and, and you probably do remember this, because um, you've studied lots of stuff, and, uh, but when Sarajevo and, and mm -hmm. Bosnia went through their ethnic cleansing, mm -hmm, right? Mm -hmm. It's amazing to me that um, people forget that, yeah. right? And that we also supported part yep. of that, yep. right? our country. Yep. And we were support in support of, part of half of that ethnic cleansing, mm -hmm. right? Or a portion of it, the part we believe was right. Mm -hmm. And I'm gonna go ahead and just throw a guess that it was the Christian side um, mm -hmm. that we were more supportive of. Mm -hmm. um, and the, like that, this stuff has happened everywhere, right? And the, the fact is, is like, we just don't, we, we either, either we just really don't have a stomach for it and like our population. And so we just kind of like put up those blinders because we just can't stomach it. Um, or we're willfully just like ignoring it, yeah. you know? Um, yeah, yeah. I, there's been such a you know there's such an acceptance of this historical injustice that's yeah. just been ingrained into us. I mean, yeah. you mentioned Saddam. I mean, let's remember that like it is now a matter of public record that the United States government lied to the world about weapons of mass destruction to justify an invasion that destroyed that country. Lied yeah. to the world and no to injustice. murder that man and murdered him and, yeah. on 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 television broadcast yep. it proudly. Yeah, and then they did the same thing in Libya and they tried to do the same thing in Syria. Yeah, and that's right. You know, they did similar things in Afghanistan, and then you go back and back, and you mentioned Yugoslavia, you go back to Vietnam, mm -hmm. you go back to Korea, oh, yeah. you go back to the dropping of the nuclear weapons on Hiroshima and Nagasaki, and oh, it's yeah. like, we have a heritage, a history here of the United States and the Western countries committing horrible atrocities against the world and never being held accountable for Ever. it. And yeah. everyone just kind of accepting that, mm -hmm. and then... Saying, oh, well, we, you know, uh, we know now, hey, George Bush lied to us. We won't be lied to, Kent. That's our bad. Uh, yeah, our bad. <laughs> of course, there's no push for George Bush to be no. tried for war crimes, which he should be tried for war crimes. He yeah. still, he just goes on tour now in the United States talking about Ukraine and Gaza. $15,000 a this pop. Guy, this guy, yeah, this guy should 15. be behind bars. Yeah. But he's just allowed to sort of walk free and still held up as a professional. And like, he's mm -hmm. now a painter. And they talk about how he's painting. And it's like, this guy's a war criminal. Mm -hmm. Responsible for the death of maybe half a million Iraqis, maybe more, mm -hmm. right? And it's just accepted. There's no, and you know, this is what makes the yeah. South African case at the ICJ so, I think, world shifting. Mm -hmm. Is that this is for the first time, I think, that, you know, we've really seen a country from the global south putting white supremacy and colonialism on trial. Mm -hmm. And actually going to an international yeah. court and saying we, as 
South Africa, which knows mm -hmm. what apartheid means, are going to put this apartheid state on trial and say it's guilty mm -hmm. of genocide. Well, and um, we have to understand that South Africa got their apartheid from us. Oh, yeah, right? yeah. Hey, they got the blueprint from Canada. Yeah, yeah. Oh, right? they're all interconnected. Yeah, you know? like... And Israel is a very close ally of that apartheid right? regime, too, of right? Of course. Um, and, you know, you've seen the responses of the Western governments to this case of the ICJ mm -hmm. in Germany's come out and said, we're going to side with Israel on this, and it's like... They're seething. You know what they're seething about? The world is changing, and now, you know, what they're really, what really incenses them is this, how dare these black lawyers from a black country in Africa try and put us on trial? Just yeah. come out and put this white country on trial. Yep. How, how dare, dare they? Yeah. Right? Uh, let them see. The world is shifting. Mm -hmm. And these countries, you know, I have hope that in the Western countries and Canada and the U.S. will mm -hmm. start to wake up to this stuff. But the rest of the world is already waking up and they're mm -hmm. standing up. And they're not going to accept it anymore. And it's yeah. going to force changes, you know. Um, I sure hope so. And it shouldn't be seen as a scary thing. Mm -hmm. Because what we're talking, like, what are we actually after here? You know, you mentioned this thing about Saddam and like mm. even, you know, Saddam was a bastard. Okay, like sure. Saddam was a monster. I could agree with you. Yeah. yeah. He was a Western-backed monster for much of his career as well, right? That's the point. Yeah. Part of the point. Um, yep. But, you know, I agree with this. Like, do we want to see him hanged? Like, I don't. you know, is this, like, I'm, I'm against the death penalty in all circumstances, mm -hmm. right? And, like, to me, like, we can do better than this, okay? Like, like I think about George Bush, for example, mm -hmm. okay? Now, you know, there might be certain penalties that the law says right now would be appropriate for yeah. him. You know, in certain U.S. states... He would probably get the death penalty if he was actually tried and convicted for the stuff he's done, right? In Texas, he would. Yeah. Where he's from. And, you know, I, yeah. And I, I, it's true, you know. His own course, state would execute yeah. him if they found him. Yeah. Well, except he's white. Exactly. Well, that's the thing. You know, who actually gets the death penalty in these countries as well. You know, I, I, this, is, this is the point, right? Because everything you're talking about just goes off into a spider web into every yeah. aspect of our society, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah. And at every, at every intersection of the spider web, you find yeah. dehumani dehumanization. Yeah. You find an absence of humanity. Even for someone like George Bush, okay, I don't want to see him uh, I don't want to see anybody hanged. die. I think yeah. that's too easy for us as well. Mm -hmm. I think the death penalty is too easy for us. It goes back to this cartoon. Like this, you were talking about how like, people see the world as like a movie. Mm -hmm. You know, so many movies, like the bad guy just dies in the end. Yeah. And, like, yeah. I feel like when watching a lot of these like 90s movies and 80s movies, I'm like, man, like everyone just dies. Like every person <laughs> who does something bad yeah. just gets killed. I mean, some of it, sometimes it's not even that bad, like mm -hmm. the thing they do. And it's just like death is the only penalty in Hollywood, yeah. right? For a lot of these films. And it's like, well, is that really the best we can do as a species? You I, know? I believe it's we part of it. You know? Yeah. And it's it reinforces this. And like for yeah. me, okay, if I were, and I don't want to speak over Bush's victims or anything like that. Mm -hmm. I think that, you know, if Bush is ever put on trial, and I hope that he will be in mm -hmm. my lifetime, I, I could see it happening. Yeah. Um, then, you know, I, I would want the actual victims of his crimes to have, mm -hmm. you know, the first say in how that is dealt with. But if I were to have a magic wand and say, how should somebody like Bush be dealt with? And, you know, this might apply to someone like Netanyahu too. Mm -hmm. All right. You know, I'm I'm like I'm not a particularly religious person, but I was raised mm. Muslim. Okay. And you know, one of the things that I sort of respect about the the religious traditions is the idea of this the pilgrimage. Mm. For me, I would send George Bush on a pilgrimage, but not ah. not to Mecca. Yeah. I'd say go on a pilgrimage across Iraq, mm -hmm. Afghanistan, Somalia, all the places you've destroyed. Yeah. For and and just force him to sit with his victims. Mm -hmm and to hear their stories, and to look into their eyes, and to just see the, what his actions have caused. Mm -hmm. And to do that for as long as it takes, 
Yeah. yeah, to just go across, you know, just That's make him sentence. a prisoner of mm. of his of his own, you know, sins, of his mm. own like uh, Ooh, I crimes. Like that. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, I like that. It's, That's way it's better than death. I think so. I yeah. think that would be more healing for our our world. I think so too. You know, I think that would be a better approach to it. You're not letting him off the hook. Nope. And you do it for however long. You know, I mean, it could be years. You know, I'd say leave him out there until he's gotten like the forgiveness of everyone he's harmed, and yeah. maybe that takes him his whole life. Okay, yeah. fine. I think it's better than, than killing him. I think it's yeah. too easy for us, right? Well, and, and again, we go back to the violence just begets violence, right? And so, like, mm -hmm. if our end goal is to, is to punish, quote-unquote, first of all, when we say bad doers, we have to remember who's saying who did what bad. Because now our world is like, I'm not so sure there is a good and bad. What I'm sure of is that there's, a, like, there's probably some right and wrong that's mixed up in here, but there's no good and bad. Because yeah. people were doing what they have to do. Right, like yeah. in all parts of our planet, people do what they have to do, and if it's stand up to your oppressors, they do it. That's mm -hmm. what we do, right? That's human. It's human in us. If it happened in Canada, we would do it here, guaranteed. Someone comes for our hockey sticks and our hockey pucks. <laughs> Just kidding, but they come for our homes. Yeah. Of course, we're going to fight. Yeah, we yeah. would. Anybody would, right? Mm -hmm. And I think like to think that we we should just be happy with the fact that we live where we live. Um, um, that's just a sign of privilege, mm -hmm. right? When, and when I hear that, that's a sign of privilege. It's like, yes, I absolutely could just be happy. I tried it for a few years. Yeah. Unfortunately, I was also woefully ignorant, yeah. <laughs> like yeah. in my in my quote unquote happiness, yeah. right? Like, and you can't build your happiness on the backs of other people. The cracks will start to show. And yeah. I do believe that everyone has inside them that humanity that is going to re rebel against mm -hmm. this, you know, that is not going to want to see it. And yeah. that might turn, cause people to pay even less attention and just mm -hmm. shut, the, just bury their heads in the sand, but just don't think it works. And also the yeah. system is starting to attack everybody. <laughs> like even the oh, middle yeah. class is under attack here. Like, 100%. You know, housing is becoming an ex like yep. you know, unaccessible in all kinds of ways. And But people don't connect those dots. Yeah. They don't connect the dots to this is a war on everybody. This yeah. isn't just a war on like, and if you let them, they will put as many different, as, as, as they view different, they will put as many different humans in that box of, as an enemy as they possibly can. Yeah. And especially if they get buy-in from their constituents, right, who yeah. are the money people. Mm -hmm. and, and so, like, this, I just hope, and I believe, I believe, like, you, I kind of hope that we are moving towards that. Like, I really do have hope. Yeah. Um, Me too. Yeah. It, it's hard to sometimes, you know? Well, you know, but. it's it it's not going to be easy. No. And, you know, sometimes change comes at great cost and is very difficult. And to yeah. be honest, I mean, right, what we're seeing right now in Gaza, there's no, like, there's no, I mean, I don't know, I don't even know how what to tell people right now. Yeah. Like, there's no advice I can give you. This is, we're watching horror. Mm -hmm. We're watching pure horror yeah. that has been going on for five months and we have no way to stop it. And, you know, we, we just keep fighting mm -hmm. and keep trying. But... Eventually, eventually this has to, you know, it has to change. People are running out of opportunities. Like there's not actually any space that people can retreat to anymore. That's what you know, I've it's seen starting to infiltrate, you know, yeah. it's infiltrating your bank account. It's yep. infiltrating your ability to have a home in certain cities. Yep. You know, it's, it's just the, the system is starting to fall apart. And, mm -hmm. you know, the, the, the biggest risk is that people, instead of connecting the dots to capitalism and colonialism and imperialism, mm -hmm. that the right wing is going to connect the dots to immigrants and welfare queens and queer people, right? This is the threat. The unhoused people, but, the yeah. addicts. Yeah, yeah. The really addicts, yeah. And use that to mobilize sort of white middle class frustrations against mm -hmm. the people that are already oppressed. 
That's that's the real risk. Yeah. But even that doesn't solve anything. Like no. we had Trump already in the U.S. Do yeah. people who voted? I, I often like it's strange talking to Trump voters because they talk about him like he's this hero that he's done so much. And I'm like, what did he do for you? Yeah. You know what is this besides rhetoric? Yeah. You know what. Trump was president for four years. What did he do to improve your life? Mm -hmm. Nothing. It's just rhetoric, right? So, yep. you know, even at the end of the day, as much harm as these people can cause, they don't have the answer either. No. The answer is on the left. It's mm -hmm. from the anti-capitalists, from mm -hmm. the decolonizing folks. Yep. It's from, it's from you know, uh, humanity. Solution. Yeah, it's from humanity. Yeah. That's what I was going to say. The solution is from us. That's yeah. the solution. And so, yeah. I guess just to maybe, maybe wrap it up with, mm -hmm. uh, you know, coming back to this question of Palestine. Yeah. You know, um, it's not about, it's not about like revenge. Mm -hmm. I'm, I, you know, it's not about like destroying Israel and inflicting upon Israel what has been inflicted mm -hmm. upon the Palestinians. You know, I, I wouldn't promote that. I wouldn't support that. And frankly, I don't think most Palestinians do either. I mean, yeah. there is a lot of bad blood there. Let's not pretend there's not a but lot of bad blood. Of course there right? would be. Of course, of course there would be. Right. Yeah. But there's also among the Palestinians, you know, what I found like living in, in the West Bank for a couple months and talking mm -hmm. to people and just even outside, just, you know, being a part of this movement for like 15 years now, mm -hmm. like Palestinians have this depth of humanity in them where it's like mm -hmm. against all odds, they actually, you know, the stereotype of like, you know, people who have less give more. Yeah. They're the ones who are most willing to share. I've witnessed it most of my life. Yeah. yeah. Well, for Palestinians who have nothing, who mm -hmm. have no state to call their own, yeah. they are the most, they have the, the deepest wells of humanity mm -hmm. within them. And I saw this in the West Bank. And I'll just end with the story of like this, this man who I was driving with in Palestine, mm -hmm. going through the West Bank. Um, older man, he probably lived like in his 50s, must have lived his whole life under occupation or, or most of his mm -hmm. life under Israeli occupation. Um, and we were driving through the West Bank. And when you're driving through the West Bank, you see the settlements everywhere. Mm -hmm. They're usually behind a fence, uh, like the apartheid wall, mm -hmm. up on top of a hill. And they're just everywhere you drive. When you're driving between towns, there's just settlements all over the place. Mm -hmm. um, and this man, we were talking about politics and talking about like what happens. Like, how do you, how do you solve all this? Mm -hmm. And, and he, he looked and he pointed at the settlements. And he said... You know, and bear in mind, the settlers are like the most rabid, like we were talking about, the yeah. most vicious, you know, extremist. They're the zealots, man. You send yeah. them out first, right? Yeah, I mean, they yeah. go and harass Palestinians in, in the West oh, Bank I'm sure constantly. Yeah. And he points up at the settlements and he says, you know, um, I don't even want these people to leave. They were born in this land just like I was. Mm -hmm. I just want to be able to live together with them in freedom mm -hmm. and equality and peace as equals with them. Mm -hmm. that's, that's what they want. This is what the one-state solution is about. Mm -hmm. Yeah, this is what people are really putting on the table. Is that, like, can these two people live side by side with each other? Can they do it in, in one state? Mm -hmm. well, one way or another, they're going to have to live side by side with people. Can we do it in a way that guarantees the rights of the Palestinians? While, also, well protecting, as, yeah. Yeah, while also protecting Israelis and Jews. I mean, mm -hmm. my God. You know, European anti-Semitism is really the source of this problem. Mm -hmm. When Palestinians were welcoming Jews in to Palestine, fleeing from the Holocaust, they were being turned away in the United States, mm -hmm. right? They were being turned away in Europe. They were being, you know, we know it was inflicted upon them in Europe, yeah. right? I think Palestinians are very proud that mm -hmm. their homeland is a homeland of Muslims, Christians, and Jews. It's, mm -hmm. a, it's a, a heart of religious significance for yeah. all of these peoples. They're proud that their land always had Jews in it, mm -hmm. where, who they lived together with in peace. And I think that, you know, we, we should be 
encouraging an outcome that yeah. allows these people to live in peace with each other again and not to see each other as enemies. And it's incompatible with Zionism, but it's not incompatible with Judaism. Mm -hmm. It's not incompatible with Jewish identity in Palestine. Jews have lived in Palestine forever and always mm -hmm. will. Yeah. Right? Um, and, you know, to me, I, people might say it's naive or idealistic, mm -hmm. and maybe it is a little bit, but I think it's far more naive to think that there's ever going to be peace in that land if you don't deal with Zionism in some way, Yeah. if you don't it, confront Zionism. and. Agreed. Yeah, and I think that you know, in this world that we're living in, you know, a, a, a state like that could, like, you know, I don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves. And in the middle of all of this horror, it's tough to even talk like this. But I think that kind of a state could actually be a beacon of peace to the world oh, in a world that desperately yeah. needs one. Yeah, I was gonna say the same thing, <laughs> yeah. and I think it's why the world fights against it so hard. It's because we do need it, right? We yeah. do. We need like a beacon of. Uh, some place where we can all just be together and we don't have to worry about we can be different we can love our differences just as we love our similarities right like and not treat them like they're things to be changed or fixed or um that need to be something else right like yeah. but i think that that's the internal spiritual revolution we're all going through right and you know maybe we will see it in our time maybe not but maybe I you know what so. i think we could see something there and from all the people i've been able to listen to and speak with who've been there to palestine and they say the same thing about it right like that same thing that you just said is that there's a spirit of everyone is welcome here that's what i've heard right and i've been to a couple demonstrations now and talked to some folks and listened to folks of course and but that's what i hear i i don't hear and i have not yet to, i'm yet to hear anti-semitism to be honest that's my experience i'm not saying it doesn't happen but i haven't heard that what I've heard is liberate Palestine, free Palestine. That does not equal anti-Semitism to me. That equals, because just like if it was free Israel, it doesn't mean it's like anti-Islam, right? Mm -hmm. Islam, it's not, it's, it's not that way. It doesn't have to be one or the other, right? Yeah. And, but I know that the American industrial military machine, one way or the other, uh, Israel, one way or the other, like, and that's not about religion. That's about politics, right? Mm -hmm. Now, those politics are fueled by religious, obviously, motivations in some cases. But, yeah, I, I don't know. I've just heard that beautiful thing that you just said from a few people now, um, mm -hmm. and it kind of makes my heart warm. I hope, hope we yeah. can see that, right? Yeah, I do too. Yeah. And, you know, that's what we're fighting for. And as yeah. much as there's a lot stacked against it, yeah. there are millions of people now around the world who yeah. are, have been out every week for months fighting yeah. for it. And, you know... Which is amazing to see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, you know, that's, if people are, you know, want to see that kind of an outcome, mm -hmm. if this is the kind of world people want to fight for, I'd encourage you, you know, like I said, we can talk about these long-term solutions, but yeah. first things first, we need to end this genocide. There yes. are 30,000 people killed, 12,000 children. I heard mm -hmm. today there's some 17,000 children that are now separated from their families, were orphaned, mm -hmm. um, you know, almost 70,000 people injured, millions of refugees across yeah. Gaza. This needs to end. It's being done with Canadian support as well yeah. as American support. Canadian weapons are being sent to Israel and it needs to stop. And, you know, we need people to join us in this struggle. So, you know, anyone who's listening who's in Calgary, join us weekly on weekends, usually Sundays, um, sometimes Saturdays. So, you know, follow our social media. This Sunday we'll be at City Hall, 1 o'clock. Um, okay. What's your social media? Uh, you can find us on Justice for Palestinians. Okay. Um, and, uh, yeah, we're on Instagram, Facebook, Justice for Palestinians Calgary. Right. Um, and, yeah, we, we hope to see as many people as possible there mm -hmm. um, from whatever background. You don't have to be Muslim or Arab to support mm -hmm. this. You just have to be human. 
So yeah. you're always welcome to join this this struggle. Right on. And if you and if you are if you are out there and you haven't if you're afraid to kind of get get connected, I can tell you as a non-religious person, I have experienced nothing but love there. Like in terms of of hum, humanity, right? Like there's that's what to me it feels like it's all about from everybody, yeah. yourself included. And thank you so much for coming on today. Thank you for having me. Oh, it's, it's been an, it's been an honor.